This coronavirus dopey special is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake. Aloe was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob, and it was created as a place to treat addicts with connection and compassion rather than control. They wanted to set up a place where addicts can receive the best care, where they could receive care for dual diagnosis, where they can get a detox that is comfortable, because we all know that kicking heroin or benzos or alcohol is incredibly uncomfortable. They have amenities that will make you feel at home, surfing, equine therapy, especially if you live on a farm. The equine therapy will definitely make you feel at home. They have sound bath meditations. They have the uber spiritual sweat lodge and so much more. If you're fucked and you want to get treatment and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I totally suggest going to Aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Sober Buddy. During this coronavirus, I think an app like the Sober Buddy is incredibly helpful. Sober Buddy is super cute, fluffy character that will walk you through recovery in a fun and easy-to-understand way. You can sign up for Sober Buddy Mail for free and receive a daily email with bite-sized challenges, motivations, tips, and resources. And especially in this period of social distancing, any kind of help to stay clean is, uh, is welcome. They treat any drug or alcohol... If you are in any stage of recovery, whether you're just starting out or you've been sober for years, and they even have options for medically assisted treatment. People love Sober Buddy and they look forward to their daily emails. We've had Sober Buddies had many messages from people who say it's helped them not to relapse. So sign up for free at yoursoberbuddy.com and follow them on Facebook or Instagram at your sober buddy. We all need as much help as we can get. Your Sober Buddy seems like a great free way to get extra support. Check it out. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power and the passion of the Dopey Patreon account. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. If you are a loyal Dopey listener and you get a lot out of the podcast, throw a couple bucks. Give what you can, and I appreciate whatever it is or isn't. Um, also, this is the last week for the old dopey store. We're going to have a new dopey store. So if you want to get any, you want to peruse, if there was something you wanted on the store, get it now, www.dopeypodcast.com. But just know that next week or the week after there's a brand new dopey store. Also, I still have a few snapbacks and dopey ski hats and a bunch of stickers and socks. If you want any of that stuff, just Venmo me at Dopey Podcast. But I'm going to keep you guys safe and not ship it for a few weeks until uh, I feel the corona thing has passed us by and people think it's safe to ship again. Anyway, here's the coronavirus special. We had a blast making it. I hope you enjoy it. That's enough of the ads. Here is the fucking show. So, hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and the coronavirus. And I'm Dave. 
and I'm home with my lovely, beautiful, brilliant partner, Linda. You haven't been on the show in a long time, Lynn. I'm glad to be here. When's the last time you were on the show? Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember either. I think it's been a long time. Was it the 200th episode? Was that the last time? I don't. I think I came on for like 15 minutes at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Not too so, Lynn, the world is at a standstill. Yeah. We're in a global pandemic. The city has shut down. Yeah. How are you coping? <laughs> How are you coping? <laughs> wow. Um, it depends on what you're asking me that I'm coping with. There's certain things I'm coping with fine, and there's other things that I'm really struggling with. Well, I will say, um, I, know, I know what you're struggling with. I think the thing that I'm struggling most with is having children during the... Uh, the coronavirus. Do you consider yourself a child? Because you're probably <laughs> the hardest part of what I have to deal with during the coronavirus. Wow. <laughs> Why you say, what do you mean? <laughs> what did I do? Because you complain more than a child. Well, <laughs> I definitely have three kids. I'll tell you that much. What do you, I mean, give me a, yeah, you have three kids. I, I take care of this family. <laughs> you, listen, you wanted honesty. Be, I mean, listen, you want to be honest? We'll be honest. Last Friday, I went to work feeling a little under the weather. I get on the train. I have... I, Linda gave me the fucking bottle of Purell. I had it in a my side. A whole bottle. I, Not like one of those little little ones. Like a, like a full... Fl- like one that you have for an entire office. I, I gave I, him and I said, use this all day long. I sat down alone in my weird little seat and the train was crowded. And I, every time I moved in my seat, I started lathering my hands up with the Purell. Yeah, you did use it because I noticed it's like, it was like half empty. But I started sniffling on the ride in. Yeah. By the time I got to work, people at Katz's were saying that I didn't look good. And that's when I got right. nervous. Right. Then we went to an event at a serving, you know, catering. And I have a runny nose and a cough during the global pandemic serving pastrami, coleslaw, and potato salad. So I get very nervous. And then on the ride home, the fever hits. Mm-hmm. The fever hits. Yeah. And I'm sitting with this crazy dude who's coughing, and I'm like, that doesn't make me feel very comfortable that you're coughing. And he, he said that? I said that to him. Oh, because oh, he was coughing? Yes. And then you told him it made you uncomfortable he was coughing? I thought I was being funny. Did he laugh? No. No, that, this, no this, this is not time for jokes around that kind of thing. He told me that uh, the country has been gearing up for a fake pandemic, or as he called it, a plandemic, and that there are concentration camps for people that will not get the vaccine ready to go. And I said, okay, I'm going to watch Mad Men on my phone. (laughs) And he He scared me. He was one of those. By the time I got home, I was sick, wasn't I? Yes, he was. Um, He had a few. He definitely had a fever. Um. Okay, so one of the things that I've found very helpful to think about um, that a friend of mine told me or I read in an article, I can't remember, but it basically said um, one of the things we should do is, is if we feel sick, we should say, if I felt like this and there wasn't any such thing as the coronavirus, yes, would I be scared? Would I be freaking out? Would I think that, um, you know, I have a cold or I have a, I have, you know, I'm under the weather because, you know, it's still in the season of sick. There's also, it's also in the season of new, new allergies budding, right? Like there was a high pollen count 
you know, well, I'll say this. But let me just let me just finish. So they are trying to say that to people. Instead of freaking out, say to yourself, if I felt like this and there wasn't a coronavirus pandemic, would I be scared? And if your answer is no, then try really hard to continue not to be scared. I'm not, I wasn't scared. I, I had a fever. And how do I get when I have okay, a fever? Okay, you were running around the house screaming that you had the coronavirus. But I wasn't scared. I was just uncomfortable. I had a very high fever. I was shivering and cold. And when I get sick like that, you're right. But I don't think- you think that's a, aside from you for a moment, don't you think that's a, a helpful tool is to say, if I had this without a coronavirus even, you know, being something, w- would you be worried? No, I would not I don't not think be. you would have been worried. I think you would have said, well, this might be because I had dental. Maybe my tooth is infected. But maybe we had, this, no, that. but we had, I think we had a misunderstanding because I was never worried about the coronavirus. I haven't been, I haven't been worried about having it. I see it as a cold. I see it as a flu. I haven't been worried about it. I think you've been worried about it and you've been worried when I say I have it, but I'm just complaining because I always complain when I get sick. Don't I always complain yeah. and whine when I get sick? That's my thing. And I want you to take care of me. And, uh, yeah, and, get, and I guess so that's but leads back to my initial uh, outburst about having three children. When I have a 10-year-old who's now being homeschooled, a toddler who's, who's a wackadoo. Who and refuses now has, to be homeschooled. And now, like, I can't do anything with her. And then Dave's like, I want to be taken care of because I have the coronavirus. And he has one symptom, which is a little fever. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just want him to be, like, healthy. I, I, I hope he's okay. I'm, I hope he doesn't have it. But it's hard for me in this, cro- you know, what's it called? A pressure. I feel like we're in a pressure cooker. We are in a pressure right? cooker. So it's not, obviously, I want to be more supportive to him. And, like, you know what? He has been sick and definitely having weird, just strange fevers popping up here and there. That's not normal. Clearly his body is fighting something, and I'm not denying that. But it's, like, we are literally stuck in this house and it's fucking crazy. And like, it's like, like my parents, like we have to keep six feet from them where my mom dropped off like a St. Patrick's Day dinner and we're like waving to her through like the glass door and she's like crying and we're waving and it's like, this is like crazy. So it's, it's just, well, the truth is I want to be empathetic to his like little fevers here and there, Listen, there's but no, I want, you know, is, is there a reason to come down on me here? Like we're just having a nice podcast. We're just having a good time. And, uh, I think the, the concern, and I think that this should be the concern internationally is for people like Linda's parents or my poor dad. My poor dad is like, I want to come out. And it's like, dad, you got to stay home. Well, I think, you know what, how, how I'm not being overly like sensitive to Dave and I and I want to be is because there's also so many other factors that I have to tend to like elderly parents children now being homeschooled you know so normally you would be thoughtful and caring of like someone with a little tiny fever needing she sent me to the emergency room to get tested she (laughs) said I was like there are no tests she's like you go now and I went out there to shut him the fuck up I didn't want to because guess what he has been complaining I think I have the corona and I have a I have the corona I don't I don't talk I also had a very very sore throat I had a very and when Linda gets a sore throat she goes it feels like I'm swallowing razor blades I didn't say that this time no but that's how I felt I actually had strep throat like a 
legitimate illness. I felt like I was swallowing razor blades. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to the the emergency room and they sent me away. And then Linda, then they told me to quarantine myself from the family. (laughs) So Dave calls me all with a little chipperness in it. He goes, they said I have to be in the basement alone for two weeks. And he like sounded a little too excited (laughs) about that. I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like, it's too late. I'm telling you. If He's I imagining was, himself watching episode after episode of Mad Men. If I was quarantined in the basement for two weeks, it might be the greatest thing that's oh, ever yeah, happened to me. I know, I know that. And that's why I said you're absolutely not doing that because we're all exposed at this point. So, sorry. Well, I'm going to say this, that anybody out there who doesn't have children, I hope you're enjoying your quarantine. I hope you're catching up on shows. I hope you're cooking. I hope you're doing cool stuff. But people Are you jealous? Very. And, Do you hear that? And I also Jealousy. feel, I, all the parents out there, I feel your pain. It is not yeah. easy. I, I, and the other thing about Linda, Linda's a much better parent than I am. Uh, I would I'm be... I'm a full-time mo- I mean, it's my job. I would be totally satisfied with the television on all day. I would be fine with it. So hard. Yes. I know. Trust me. I, it's, it would be easier for me, too, but I fight it. Anyway, then... They finally opened up testing in uh, Suffolk County, and I and they called me after I gave Linda the coronavirus one more time. Uh, they <laughs> they called me. Yeah, you want to talk about that? They called me, and uh, and I went at eight in the morning out to Stony Brook. Well, so so Jones Beach, which I'm sure people have heard of Jones Beach, no matter where you live, it's a place where there's like huge rock concerts in the summer. It's a really an incredible. It's a really cool spot. That was the Nassau County testing site that was up and running and um, Nassau County of Long Island and they had just opened the Suffolk County testing site on the grounds of Stony Brook University and Dave was literally one of the first um, tests that they had done uh, you know for the virus and it was funny because he had left at seven in the morning his test was at eight it was very, uh, right, Dave? It was very, like, well-orchestrated. He, You can't roll down your windows. They come to the car. Everybody's in full gear. It was pouring rain, and I drove to, um, what, no, I'm, I recorded something when I was there, so I'm going to play oh, it for okay. the Dopey Nation. Um, but it was pouring rain, fucking on the drive to Stony Brook. We have this, this Sirius XM now, so I'm listening to the Grateful Dead channel, which is really great, and I totally recommend it. And, uh... And I get up to the fucking, you know, the dudes, the soldiers in their military fatigues. And, and I'm like, no, nobody had guns out. No. But, uh, but it felt like they would. And There's I, hand sanitizer in the, in the guns. And they're gun holsters. They, they they're ready to spray you, you down. Spray you down. <laughs> um, so I, I start to open the window, and he holds up his clipboard, says, leave window up. And they made me, like, press the ID on the inside. Like, you can't open your window at the thing until they fucking oh, swab right. you. I got there. This is how organized it was. I got to the test at five minutes to eight. I left the test at ten minutes after eight. It was very organized. Well, well, it was very organized because Dave was one of the first, and now it has become completely chaotic and unorganized. And we can't get the results. And and, and they told him he could get the results in two days on some official website, and it turns out there is no website, and in five to seven days he'll get a result only if he's positive. Do you want to hear my observations from the test site? But can I just say one quick thing? Yes. So we knew Dave was like, 
on his way to this testing site. And every morning, me and the, the girls watch News 12. It's like our Long Island local news. And we're sitting watching the news. And all of a sudden, we see the our favorite newscaster girl. And she's at the testing site in Stony Brook with her umbrella. And we're like, oh, my God, we're going to see Daddy. And we're all waiting to see Daddy's car pull up to get a swab stuck up his nostril because they were taping the car is being pulled up and tested. So we were, we were really hoping to see you. But If I don't have the coronavirus, what the fuck is wrong with me? I think you could have one of the many things that happens in, in you know toward the end of winter where there's just tons and tons of germs. I think 70, sick. 70%. I want to say this. I think you this. could have strep. I think you could have flu. I think you could have a random virus. I just want to be serious for a second. Know. We have an audience of drug addicts. We have an audience of heroin addicts, of, of people who've been through withdrawal. Lots of different people in the audience. Yeah, a lot of different people yeah. in the audience. But I want to say that this coronavirus, if I have it, it reminds me so much of withdrawal because you feel shitty and you don't know when it's going to end. And like acute withdrawal ends in three days or something, but then that post-acute withdrawal lasts for a while. But here's the good news, everyone. Dave is... Doing a podcast, he's we're having, he's happy, we're having fun, he's healthy, you know. So even if he has it, big deal. You're fine. No, I I you totally know. agree. No, but that's a good. That's the that's the the moral of the story. And that's that the other people, thing is that people are are good. I don't want to say people are going to be okay because plenty of people won't. You a lot know, of people have died. Spread that, but I think it's good for you to also note that you're sitting here, you know, having having a good time doing the podcast. So clearly you're. Healthy enough to still do what you need to do. I'm having the time of my life right now. This is fi- finally the baby. The baby has become, I mean, like, I never spend so much time with the baby, but like, I do love the baby, but what a pain in the neck she is. Oh my she's God. She's out of hand. And, and, and then she's very funny. She is funny <laughs> and she's fun. And I'm happy. And I also want to say this I love not going to work. I fucking love not going I'm to not work. I'm not sure how much I love you not going to work. Well, okay, but I've I've taken a lot of your duties on. I've taken the baby, but I guess I would home love too. if you. I would love if you were home, but you all you like a lot of what you've been doing since you've been home is telling everyone you have the coronavirus. Well, that's I have the. Well, how about when right. I have it? So how thrilling about, is it to have you home? Going, I'm so sick with the coronavirus. And when I don't complain about the coronavirus, what else do I complain about? There's a <laughs> slew of things. Tell them. Oh, and the other day, so I you, stood so up. Maybe people can understand why I'm not like, oh, it's so nice having you home. Hold on. Let me just play my observations from the test site. <laughs> hold on. So uh, I'm going to get tested for this thing. Um, drove to Stony Brook in the middle of the serious, serious, serious rain. Fucking disastrous. This is the second time I've been to Stony Brook to get tested for this thing. I went to the hospital the other day. It was like E.T., fucking plastic everywhere, and obviously everybody taking precautions with masks. Here it's uh, like an army base. They have you stop, then they have you show your ID in the window. Everybody's like ready to kill you on site. Um, I don't think I have this thing, but I've been sick since Friday. I had a fever on Friday, and runny nose and whatever and um I don't know just recording this uh for posterity a lot of weirdos a lot of uh crazy time in America I guess
I don't think my, my I don't think my uh, <laughs> insight were as inspired as I thought. Tell everybody so that, was, that was that was it. Yeah, there was not much there. Tell every tell everybody <laughs> of all the problems I've had this week. No, I don't Fucking feel like it. Every I, day I have, I have to hear. I I live it. Why do I want to relive it right now? I stood up quickly on the stairs and I banged the side of my head into the beam of our basement, and now I can't open my mouth wide enough to eat a so, cupcake. So, so let me repeat. Does anyone understand why I'm saying that having Dave home is not some big Not to mention bonus. the burn. Tell them about the burn. I, 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 I'm I, sick of your fucking burn. I steamed my arm last week Sorry, trying to Dobie clean. Sorry, Nation. I'm very bitter tonight. Trying to clean. And I said, maybe I shouldn't be on, come on the show. And Dave said... Every night, Linda tends to my wound. Linda gets really angry at me all day, and then when she tends to my wound, she softens up. I know. I got the the, the nurse in me comes out. <laughs> the nurse deep, deep down. So, do you don't want to tell them how nasty the wound is? You're not interested in that. I guess it's healing now. Finally, I think it looks better. Yeah. So you're not you don't care about the wound. It's it's just too. It's just a lot of stuff. There's something else that we need to talk about, and you don't want to talk about it. But the Dopey Nation has been bothering me for weeks. Put your arm down. Wanting to know what happened to the dog. I never told, I never revealed uh, if we kept the dog or not. I was hoping you'd come on the show so I could tell my favorite part of the story. Okay. And we don't have the dog anymore. And we don't have the dog because the dog vomited its shit in front of us. The dog somehow was in the cage and he got out of the cage and he like convulsed all this <laughs> like like it was from stra- like he was the animal from stranger things and he kind of like <laughs> reared up and then he vomited his shit and i was just like that's it and yeah. so we couldn't we did not keep well, that's the dog not why. i mean there was a few reasons why but that was definitely one of them listen we can't have a dog that vomits shit in the house he was it's. I'm, I don't even want to talk about it because I really, really. He was so sweet, Ugh. and he was. He and I. I was reading a lot of the posts from the Dopey Nation about the dog, and I and I really agreed with a lot of them, and um, you know. But he just. Uh, I think it was a poor choice on my part to get a dog with a toddler because it was like they were the same energy. It was too much. You know, they both were this neat, and he was also half Chihuahua, half Rat Terrier. He wanted so much attention, but he was so sweet. But then, like my toddler wanted attention, and then he was started shitting everywhere, which was the problem. And the re- the, the time I realized that he was pooping everywhere um, was when my toddler got very quiet one morning, and I'm like, "Oh, that's so weird." She's usually like, burr, 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 burr. and I look over, and she's playing with his poop, Ugh. and I just was like. Okay, I'm done. That like, was, I really was on the fence for a while until my toddler was playing with his poop. And I just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I didn't even mind the fact that the dog pooped out of his mouth. I thought that was sort of, like, it was almost like a carnival trick. You I thought that was like that charming? Was, I thought it was interesting. I, I would be like, you know, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't bother me as much as my kid playing with his shit. Yeah, that was not going to be a healthy um, situation. I think getting yeah. rid of that dog was probably the best thing that's happened this that year. That's sad. This is going to sound crazy, but I've actually been thinking about the dog this week. And he was, I actually thought he would have been sort of fun to have while we were isolated. 
And I've seen so many people with their dogs, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of a nice thing they have that we don't during this time. Because dogs really are so unconditionally beautiful and kind and sweet. You're bugging out. And I, you wouldn't I have, have survived a, a two days of quarantine. So, I'm so I was I couldn't handle everybody in the house with the dog. It was overwhelming, so it would have been too much. But there's something people you the dog. Um, People who own dogs in the Dopey Nation will, will understand what I'm saying. Dogs are definitely very... Um, Loving creatures. They bring this beauty to your life that I think could be nice right now. That said, I'm, I am not sad that the dog has hit, hit the road. So we're going to get somebody on the phone. Linda has this friend named Amber. I know a lot of you are waiting uh, on pins and needles for Linda's uh, podcast. Linda's doing it with her Linda friend. And Amber. You got to sit closer to the mic, Lynn. If yeah. you do a podcast, you got to like I be know. up on the mic. Such an amateur. You got to be up on it. Okay, here I am. Um, it's, Linda and Amber are going to do <laughs> supposedly do a podcast on motherhood called Motherload. And Amber is a very smart and worldly person. Amber came up with that title, by the way. And I think Amber will have some insights into this epidemic beyond me complaining. You know, the, yes. the world is well, shut down. Well, that's why I talked to Amber, because I need an outlet. I don't think that I've been fair in the intro of this show, the first 20 minutes. The world is shut down. There's no yeah. non-essential travel. The, everything is berserk. I'm and just trying. every day is more, is more dramatic. And I'm just trying to make light of it and deal with it, um, because that's how I get comfortable in a situation like Listen, this. Listen, Dave, to be fair, you've been really sick. And I think, I mean, I... I as much as I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a therapist and I want to really address things for what they are, I definitely have my moments of denial as well. And it's very scary for me to have my partner ill and this is going on. So I, I will definitely give Dave credit to say that he's been sick and it's scary. And it's scary to have a, a loved one ill right now, whether it's that or it's anything. Not it's to mention still... the amount of incredible work I've done with the children. Okay. So providing let's, let's, for the let's house, move on to Amber. Cooking, cleaning. My good friend Amber. All right. Let's get Amber on the phone. <laughs> we have Amber on the phone. And Here the first go, thing Amber said is, say it again, Amber, please. Linda, sometimes you do sound like you're a little too far from the mic. You got to you got to pull up a wow. little. Wow. All right, Amber, you want to start that way? When I tell when I tell <laughs> Linda to move up to the mic, she it's like as though I've punched her in the throat. The look on her fucking face. I'm I, really close to I mean I I wish we could take a picture. She gets too comfortable. She gets too comfortable with her glass of wine and she That's what I was going to say. Like <gasps> she, I in my mind she's reclining. Yeah. She's got a glass of wine. She's yes. in an armchair. That's exactly what she gets a little too right. comfortable. Okay, moving on, moving on, please. Moving so on. we've we've invited Amber, the future co-host of the Motherload podcast. That's right. Coming this summer, right, Amber? Perhaps. Coming the summer of 2025 maybe. Fall. Um, Maybe. And uh, because Amber is a very bright and worldly woman, and I want to, I am sure Amber knows exactly what's going to happen in the world <laughs> involving the coronavirus, and I was hoping you could inform the Dopey Nation. So, um, what, how's it going no with your family, there. Amber? How's your family? What's going on? So, you know, I think we're all dealing with uncertainty, and that is, it's super unsettling. And I think, like everybody else, I've been vacillating between feeling like a warrior, like I got this, I'm prepared, yeah. I can make my own toilet paper, I can bake bread, I can grow food <laughs> if I need to, um, to like feeling like a complete, you know, like I'm in a complete panic. Right. Everyone's going to get sick. I'm going to lose all my money. I'm going to lose my job and, you know, my whole life is going to fall apart. So finally, like, I think I'm at the end of this week where I'm balancing out a little bit and just starting to take stock of what's going on. I'm trying not to look at like my retirement account or... Mm. 
any of those things The you know, it seems like the market is just like, there's no bottom, but, um, you know, I think like everything else, this, it will pass. And, you know. See, the best thing about you, Amber, is unlike Linda and I, you're an actual adult <laughs> with, <laughs> with plans and forecasts and savings. You know, this is like highly advantageous for people who don't have retirement, who don't have investments, because, you know, what the fu- nothing can really happen to us, really, except what, what's been happening already. Except you get sick. Oh, I'm already sick, but I'm on the mend. <laughs> right. You know, I, I don't think... I don't think my experience with the coronavirus or the COVID-19 is going to cripple me. I think I'm going to get through this and be done with it, Um, Mm -hmm. which I remember Linda told me that was your reaction when you heard that I might have it. Well, you know what's interesting about adulting and feeling like an adult? It's like the minute you get there, which is sort of me, like literally this month, I finally, or like, you know, two months ago, really, I was finally feeling like... I've got this down. I'm 43 years old. I have finally figured out life. I, you know, I think, you know, things are organized for me. I feel like I finally got there. And then an event like this happens and you just realize how fragile it all is. Mm. All of these constructs are so frail and we are just, you know, we're just victim to them. But Amber, it's, it's funny. We can't control everything. And it's funny because it's fragile for all of us. Like that's such yeah. a good point. Like we're so there's the adulting piece, but then I look at like we look at like our older the older people and like they are so vulnerable. Like everybody is now. Like we're it's like a leveling field. Well it is. It is. I'm sure it's a reminder that we're all really all in the same boat. Well, it that's true. And um what do you think what do you think is coming down the pipe? Like what like how much worse does it get before it gets better? Like you're a worldly person, you know about it's the so global. It's so funny economy. that you That's think good. I would know this. Why I do you think so Amber flattered. is like like she's traveled the world? Things. You said she's talking to China, she knows well, what's she, happening, well, she, you know? I will say yeah, I you know I did um I so I I actually I manage crisis communication. Okay, now um, we're talking for, for a large global company. And so, you know, this was, you know, kind of a big week for me, you know, sort of professionally, a lot going on also on the home front, like trying to get organized around the kids being home so you know just there's a lot there amber, but I amber before you before of, you say another thing how much yeah. does it suck to have the kids home for this thing her kids you are like what? are cool my kids are easy like they lucy plays together. guitar they're, scarlet's like a buddy like they're hanging out it's not like susan yeah, they're good one it's not like you guys like with a you know with a baby yes. it's 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 Terrible. it's pretty chill but just like getting even trying to get them organized around their education that's a whole other thing that's a whole other but thing. i will say i would with and what i would share with you is i was comforted by a conversation that I had with a colleague um, out of Hong Kong. And she was sort of, you know, she has, you know, they've, they missed their Chinese New Year. They, you know, they've been dealing with this for many, many weeks since December now. And what I learned was, you know, you know, she said, you know, look, the, the uncertainty, it gets better. Things start to feel a little bit more certain, you know, in, in the coming weeks. And she said the panic buying, it's stressful, but it really only lasts about two weeks. And things start to, you know, they're they're coming out the other end of it, and and you know, you know, the world is opening up again, and and things are okay. Life and it resumes. Was comforting to hear that there's like there is an endpoint, even though this is so chaotic and so different than anything we've ever experienced in our generation. But there is an end. Do you want to hear how what, what I did in a panic buy in my panic buying? I I felt like my beard was too long, so I sent away for an Amazon electric beard trimmer, and I was so nervous it wasn't going to come soon enough, I just shaved my whole beard. Can you believe that? (laughs) 
that I'm not problem. sure how that relates, but... I was panic buying. I was panicking. I looked so old with my long beard. So I sent away for the you're beard. Like Mo- by the end of the corona, yeah. you'd look like Moses. Did you like see, a, I, I, it was I, a picture we, of me and Susan, no, and I looked Amber, so Nora old. Goes, Nora goes, why is Daddy buying this right now? I'm like, I have no Linda, fucking idea. Linda, I can't idea. hear a thing you're saying. You are so far from <gasps> Oh, no. <laughs> this is Amber. You're my nemesis right now. Okay. Well, I said that Nora, oh, we opened the package. We thought it was going to be like a thermometer or, you know, something re- something useful. Yeah. And it was a beard trimmer. And she goes, but mommy, why does daddy need that? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. I couldn't even explain it. What was the greatest thing you bought in a panic buy so far, Amber? What are you, what are you most Amber's proud a minimalist. Of? She doesn't, she's What not I would like love that. to chat with you guys about for a second is keto versus plant-based. So I feel like plant-based is so on point for the apocalypse because Mm. all we eat are beans. I have a basement full of beans. We're not eating meat. So, um, and Linda and I've had this debate a bunch, but we're not eating meat. So we weren't sort of fighting that out in the supermarket. I started buying, like I wasn't panic buying, but I started just gently stocking up on supplies like the early February timeframe because I, I was hearing a lot about this from multiple angles, from the financial angle, from, you know, the global angle, from, you know, the kind of local media. And I was just starting to like get hints that "Mm, something, something's Something's going on. And what, so I started to just, you know, gently sort of, you know, stock up because what I, I I was uncertain about things, but what I am certain about is how people behave in an emergency Mm. and human behavior is so much scarier to me than a virus. Yeah. All these, all these nuts buying everything, right? Fucking. That was so clear to me that that was going to happen. You know, well, weeks, how- weeks before I was in bed with Linda and I said, Linda, tomorrow you need to go to the supermarket and buy provisions. And she said, nothing's going to happen. Remember, <laughs> Linda? Remember that? She said, what are you worried about? You remember? Yes, I do. I told her. I was, I mean, you and me were on the same page and she didn't panic. I was like, go panic by now. And, yeah. she, and, she, and she wasn't doing it. But yeah, I mean... Linda and Brian are very similar that way. But I have to tell you that our neighbors have have showed up like many times with, with cases of wipes, asking what we need. Yeah. You know, people mm-hmm. have been incredibly generous. We've been looking after Linda's parents a little. They brought us some corned beef. It is, in another way, like a beautiful time for society to come together. It really is. You see the worst, but you see the best in people too. And I think it's such an opportunity. And I heard this was such an interesting thing. I was listening. I was watching Meet, Meet the Press last Sunday morning, and I can't remember who was speaking. But the gentleman who was talking about the Spanish flu of you know 1917, 1918, he was saying, you know that uh, you know it was you know it was terrible. Millions and millions of you know, you know hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives. And then when it ended, nobody talked about it anymore because everybody was so ashamed of how they had behaved. Right. And I thought that was so compelling, and it immediately. I just started thinking about our local food pantry. I started thinking about, you know, our, you know, my neighbor, and I was already thinking of my neighbors, but, you know, just checking in with people who I haven't checked in with in a while because I don't want to come out the other end of this and feel ashamed. Right. Well, I think you're doing a good job. You don't have to be ashamed of this uh, appearance on Dopey, and I'm very impressed that you've kept your plant-based stuff going. I gave up keto. The second I got my fever, I was like, I'm done. Time to eat Definitely. cereal with chocolate syrup. Find comfort. Fine. And Linda made cupcakes. I put peanut butter and chocolate frosting on them. This is the time of my life. All, I just wish we had more cakes in the house. The provisions, we don't have enough dessert provisions. I'll say that. Come to plant-based, Dave. You can have all the cupcakes you want on plant-based. 
Ooh. Uh oh, his mm. eyes just lit up. I like it's meat though. I don't I don't I think I'm gonna go I'm I am until this pandemic lifts, I'm just gonna go back into old school comfort eating. Until I'm until I'm healthy again. Once I, I once fair. I once I pass this coronavirus, I'll I mean, I want to... Dave's do- working the coronavirus. This is what's happening. I'm going to put on the corona 19, the COVID-19 pounds, you know. From the- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Amber, thank you so thank much you, for Thank you, Amber. On. You're a lot of fun. My pleasure. Love you guys. You should Love be- you, too. Whatever happened to the work you're supposed to be doing for Dopey, though? I forgot. All right. yeah. oh, Amber boy. was one of, the, one of the first incredibly hardworking, dedicated... People, uh, Amber uh, has a life in the dopey and things private going sector, on. and then all of a sudden she—that's <laughs> what gone. happened. She wrote the best, most comprehensive dose, dopey press release, and then she actually got a job. What the fuck, Amber? I did, yeah. yeah. I took a year off, and How then I was a podcaster, and then I got a job. But wow. it was—it was really fun being your intern for about eight seconds, Dave. <laughs> I, really, I learned a lot, and I loved it. And right. I'll come back one day. Awesome. Thanks, Amber. Amber, talk to you soon. Take care, guys. All right, bye. 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 It was awesome to hear from Amber on the show. I think you guys will have an amazing podcast, and I'm sure a lot of the people in the Dopey Nation will be tuning in to Motherload. Yes. But you got to sit close to the mic. Now, oh boy. Dopey is a show about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And coronavirus. So let's, let's, let's. Well, I guess the coronavirus could be let's part of it. Let's extend the title just for tonight's show. But so I want to get a fan favorite of the show, the great. Ray Brown, Ray. Ray Brown on the show, and see how he is coping, uh, coping with, with the corona. Coping with corona in the big city. <laughs> Let's check on Ray. Ray, welcome back to the show. Are you drinking fortified vodka right now, or are you maintaining some sort of sobriety for this thing? I'm maintaining some sort of sobriety through this whole thing. Yay! And do you I'm have? Not. Yeah, Linda. Linda's no. sipping on wine, sitting back in her no. chair, wearing my robe. She's she's very oh. she's very relaxed. Nice. <laughs> so, Ray, is I, that, are you on 14th Street right now, Ray? I, you're breaking up. Say again? Are you on 14th Street right now? I'm on 14th Street, yep. Is I your, just went. Is your fridge yep. stocked with forbidden chocolate? I have so I have so much food. I have so much ice cream. I was terrified of running out of ice cream. I went downstairs. I've been, I haven't left for two days, and then I went downstairs to get some ice cream, and I was going, I was in line at Dwayne Reed with my ice cream. And then I noticed the lady in front of me was like a lady that collects like bushels of cans. She was like a street person. Uh-huh. And she was redeeming her cans and she was wearing gloves. The cashier is wearing gloves. And the lady was very, you know, very dirty street person. And I'm like, fuck, why am I not wearing gloves? And then the, the cashier touched this lady's stuff and then, my stuff and then put it in my bag and then I left and there was another can guy out front and he flicked his cigarette and it hit me in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like freaking out. Wow, you had a rough day. Was that today, Ray? That was like two hours ago. I came upstairs and I washed the ice cream with this detergent in the sink. Well, you washed the container. You didn't open up the container and wash yeah, the Yeah, I washed ice. the outside of the container with soap and hot water. Wow. So that's then crazy. I took off, I, well, first, I took off all my clothes and took a shower, and then I washed the ice cream off. I haven't been crazy. I haven't been, like, obsessive, but I just felt a little crazy tonight. But, Ray, why did you take your clothes off to get in the shower? Why didn't you wash your clothes in the shower? Well, I've been taking my laundry to the laundromat, as you know, but now I'm wondering, 
if you take your laundry to the laundromat, is your clothes are your clothes just mixed with all the other filthy clothes that they've washed that day, and you get the virus? The Corona clothes. And Ray was saying, <laughs> Ray was saying that two people at his job have it, and a bunch of people in his building have it. You know, you can you can go so Ray, you can go so yeah. crazy with this thing because yeah, pretty much every single thing has been touched by some yeah. thing else. Right. So I and was I found myself googling earlier like uh, my mom goes well you can look online and see how long the virus stays on different types of surfaces. So oh, I'm like I did that. Right? I googled that. What how long for It's cardboard. 24 hours on cardboard. paper and cardboard, 3 days on plastic. So I, I left my shoes outside of my apartment. I won't wear them inside. How long do you think it would last on soiled clothing or on a cigarette butt that touches your eye? I don't know. <laughs> oh, you're screwed. There's nothing. You have no control over that one, though. It was flicked yeah. in his eye. Well, now there's, mo- there's more people at my job have it. And I don't know. I, it's been seven days since I was at work, and I don't have it. And the, right. You know, the typical time is five days. Or you might have it, but no symptoms. Right. That's why this um, is such a crazy fucking thing. Can I ask you a personal yeah. question, Ray? Has that ever stopped you before? Yeah, you really Ray, care what he do, says do, right do, now? Do you think I have the coronavirus, right? Oh, boy. Yes, I do. See? Oh, Ray, please. He, Ray thinks I, I thought that. I've thought that for a week. See? Or more. See? And I bet if Ray was here, he'd take good care of me, too. Right, Ray? <laughs> no, Ray, Dave, Dave just wa- Dave just wants to be with you because you have cigarette butts and <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream, yeah. <laughs> and I have none of that good stuff to offer. <laughs> I think a lot of us have had, I mean, the more people at my job have had, have had it and friends of mine have had what is clearly it. I'm like, right. I don't know, that guy I was crying about on the show, he had it. I mean, everyone it's you know, it's all around. He you know, had um, it? I was, yeah, he had it. Mm, Linda doesn't believe and, I uh, could possibly have it. No, you have it. Yep. Dave wants and to have it. That's Ray, why I'm getting. It's like annoying. Right. I need. He just looked. At, he just looked at me and went, "Yup." Like a little meeting bitch. today. Tell us about the dopeys. Ray did a dopey <laughs> meeting online in the Zoom. The Zoom dopey group. Oh, that's it was great. great. Tell it was us great. About like, it. well, Colleen set it up, and um, it was really fantastic. I was kind of leery, you know. Like, I don't know these people. I'm, I'm not sure what we're gonna do. What we're gonna talk about, and then. Uh, another Colleen, she said she has it and her family has it. like her husband has it, her kids have it. And, um, it was just cool to talk to everybody that you see on Dopey Nation. I mean, like Austin, I met at the DopeyCon, but, uh, just to chat with everybody. And I think everybody dug it. There was like 20 something people there. Awesome. Love that. Um, and it was, you know, you know how I am at meetings. Like I'll never talk at meetings. I don't know what to say, but it was kind of like, I felt like I should say something. Yeah. And I said, I've, from being on Dopey, people have written to me. I've, oh, like, you know, I'm not a meeting guy and I've never liked meetings. As soon as my sponsors stopped taking me, I stopped going. I never got the magic or any of that. I did stop drinking. I did the steps and I stopped drinking. But I didn't get that, like, helping others and that helped me. But when the people write to me on Dopey Nation, then I started doing that. And now I've kind of got that. I'm like, uh, well, you need that, that. That method worked for you. Meetings I maybe didn't it. work for you, yeah, but Dopey Nation reaching out to you that affected you in some way. That maybe a meeting didn't. Yeah, it's very serious. I don't, something about meetings just put me off. But this yeah. was it was more fun, you know. It's because it's stupid Dopey Nation, so it's not mm. like those, you know meetings can be so serious sometimes. That and makes I just, sense. 
and I never reach out, you know, like I'm kind of shy at meetings. I don't want to talk to anybody. I never like give people my number, that kind of stuff. Did you, did you share about eating pubic hair and licking up urine off the toilet in the zoom room? No, I did not. <laughs> what did you, did you share? What did you share about? Did you share about super vodka and living in no, home? I just smashing I the just dude with the you. record player? Oh, you said no, that. I, so the alternative, I, the alternative recovery movement is working for you is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I just said. Dave. That's what he said. And Let me I, ask and you, I le- and I think that's really cool. I think it's amazing, Ray. I think you're a shining example of how dopey. The, uh, what are you going to say, Ray? I'm sorry for interrupting. Well, you know, there's there's something about meetings. You know, I hated school. I left school very early. There was something about the, the regimented, organized part of it, and I think that's my thing with meetings. Is like I just didn't take to it, and this is like fun it's the internet it's facebook it's you know goofy that i could get into it and not like be like tense up at it you know right it's a good it's the dumb shit that keeps you alive and dopey yeah because like that meetings reminded me of school right away and i hated school so much or or your parents being yeah school telling you what to do ray hated his parents too right right well (laughs) back to the coronavirus (laughs) Let me ask you this. Who are these people and why are they interfering in my life? Yeah. Let me ask you this, Ray. What do you think addicts out there in the world are doing right now? How do you think they're getting by? You know, like, can you imagine how tough it must be to be a heroin addict during the coronavirus? Mm. I Googled today, like, her- like, how are people getting heroin, heroin, coronavirus, and nothing comes up, just weird, random searches. I couldn't find any answers about drug supply in America during coronavirus. So, you know, it's so underground. Mm. There's, there's no articles written about this yet. I'm sure there's people... Right, it's so new. That, you know, remember when, when, like, just with weed, people be like, the whole town is dry, you know? Right. Well, well, you you probably never had that here in New York, but we had that in in my small town. Like the whole town is dry. Right. We would have that in Ithaca, you know, and it was very very annoying. Um, but it's interesting, and um, I actually have have a bunch of addicts that I've I've reached out to, and we have none of them are. I, I have one addict that's using. I haven't heard his message yet, but we're gonna play his message in a minute, right? I just want to say thank you though for participating in the Dopey Podcast Corona special. It's the Corona 2020, and it's a it's an important, <laughs> important check-in. I encourage everyone to check out this Zoom with yeah. Colleen, and this other guy, Ben, is going to do one, too. But it was really cool. There was, like, people from Dopey Reddit. Like, there was people that weren't on Dopey Facebook Nation. They were dope, the Dopey Reddit people were there. What are they saying? Um, it was kind of a meeting, like people, it was kind of structured like a meeting. And then at the end, everybody was just chatting. Um, and I like the format of zoom. It's cool. Whoever. Ray, how how does that format? So I started a, um, support group on, here we go. Uh, Facebook just, it's just, it's just a, it's just a a coronavirus support group, but it's run by, I'm on that. that. Right. So, but, but Colleen, um, put that uh, post for that on there and wh- and my question for you because I was wondering is how does it what is the, how does it even work like what does it well, feel like when you're on you what just, is the format you download zoom and it's very easy and then that you put in when the meeting starts you you I copy and pasted the number the meeting number you put it on there you put in the password which is toodles and then oh, you're nice. in the meeting and you see everybody in front of you 
And then when someone speaks, it features that person. So you oh, kind of have awesome. to. Awesome. So you can see clear, the per- like, you can see the actual person though. Yeah, whoever speaks, the it features them. And then when they stop speaking, it, it shows like everybody again. Did you wear a dopey hat or dopey shirt? Um, oh, I'm, stop. Well, I'm wearing one now because I was just on another Zoom thing, nice. and uh, but I didn't. I I, I held it up because people were wearing them, and I took mine and put it in front of me, but I didn't wear it. Dave's no. trying to advertise his podcast. That's Linda's very wearing, shameful. Linda's wearing her, her her prototype dopey tank top right now. Very, oh, is it tank top? A new dopey it's very tank very sassy. Top. Coming, oh, nice. coming soon. Um, That's Ray, cool, though. What would you, when do you think uh, we'll get to see each other again and you could record in person again? What is your prediction when the quarantine will end? Well, there's no quarantine. I could meet you at your dad's anytime. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking sick. You want to get this thing? Oh, well, you know, I don't know. What what is it? You know, a year, two years, two months? Like, I don't what do know. What do you, dude? What do you think? When is it going to be done? Why are you asking? When can I ride the project? train? When is it going to be okay to go? Like, everything seems normal downstairs. It's like there's no quarantine. The trains are running. Why don't you and Ray just give it a good old zoom? You want to do the zoom? You guys can zoom it. The zoom is good. I mean, you know, they say for you know two two weeks is what people two say. Weeks, for two this. weeks is what I've been hearing as All well. All right, well, two weeks. Ray, it's always a pleasure to have you on the Ray, show. Ray, so good to hear from you. Nice to talk to you, Linda. Um, talk soon, Ray. Stay in okay, touch. Good night. Don't drink any Bye. fortified vodka. It's good that you're Tools. doing the laundry. It's <laughs> forbidden chocolate seems like the way to go. And uh, yes. and thank you. Okay, good night. All right, bye. bye. So the great Ray, back on the show. Love having Ray on the show. Yeah, Ray's great. Um, now, I know you know about this, but I don't know how much you know about this. The dopey scholarships are going bananas. We have uh, Josh in uh, Transcend Recovery. He went to Mountainside. Okay. We have Charlotte, who is in Turnbridge in uh, New Canaan, Connecticut. Wow. And we have um, this dude, DJ, a.k.a. Don, who was on Dopey a couple of times. He so was three on three scholarships. Right now, well, really, Josh got two scholarships. He got one scholarship from Mountainside and one scholarship to Transcend Recovery, which is aftercare. Charlotte is in Turnbridge for, uh, I think, nine months, and she's doing well. Wow. Nine months is a nice... That's a nice scholarship. It's a nice chunk of time. Turnbridge has been very generous. And Aloe is taking in Don for six months. Wow. And he caught a flight... um, to LA for $22 because nobody's flying. And he uh, he's so fucked up on drugs that I couldn't get him on the phone so he sent in two voicemails and I want to play him. Yeah. You want to hear? Yep. Alright. I say that just with love and respect. Don is on heroin and clonopin and everything. He's shooting so much dope. He's got abscesses and he's a, he's a mess. Um, but we really love Don and uh, he can get it. If anyone can get it, he can get it. Hold on. Yo, 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 what's up, Dopey Nation? This is uh, Don calling, or as some know me, DJ. Um, and I've, uh, I've been on the show a couple times, um, and I'm calling in to give a little update. Um, I am getting ready to get on a plane and go to Aloe Treatment Center out in sunny California, uh, which Dave advertises on the phone, and I love the advertisement. He says, if you're fucked and you need treatment, Hello Treatment Center, 
uh, is a great place to go. And uh, I absolutely feel like that. Um, I've been in touch with Dave. I've known Dave, Dave for, for several years um, through our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Teddy, who was a friend of Chris's. Um, and I did know Chris as well. Um, God, uh, may he rest in peace. Um, but anyways, over the years, I've gotten to know Dave. Um, I'm a huge Dopey fan. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing my, my black Dopey hoodie right now. Um, but anyways, to cut to the, uh, cut to the chase, um, I, uh, last time I was on Dopey, I was, um, on methadone and I was talking about the, uh, the awful, awful, um, thing that, that methadone is and how hard it is to get off. Thank God I, I was able to finally get off of it back in August, uh, but unfortunately I've been, I've been unable to stay off of uh, heroin and crack cocaine, which are uh, my two drugs of choice, which I inject together, known as a speedball. Um, and uh, more or less since August, things have uh, continued to deteriorate. Somehow, some way, I've been able to keep a pretty darn good job where I'm making good money. So I've been able to, to maintain a type of facade where very few people know what's going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm supposed to fly out tomorrow evening, and uh, my mother doesn't even know, <laughs> um, which uh, I have to laugh because it's so absurd. Um, and so I actually just went online, and I moved my flight till Monday um, because, like, being uh, being – being a good drug drug addict, I went ahead and I took uh, uh, 10 clonopin about 48 hours ago, 10 one milligram, and uh, essentially lost the last two days. So all the things I was supposed to get done in terms of packing and getting my affairs in order uh, didn't happen because I was uh, I was totally blacked out. But uh, anyways, let me cut to the point here. Um, <clears throat> I was able to, to uh, rebook my flight uh, for Monday through Spirit Airlines for a whopping $18. Um, I guess that's one of the very few good things about this coronavirus is flights are ridiculously cheap. The point I want to make is, uh, you know, I just turned 32 on Sunday, and I've been doing this since I was 16, and, uh, you know, somehow I'm still alive. Um, I have had some bouts of, uh, of sobriety. I love recovery when I'm in it. I just... Uh, you know, I get, uh, I get, I get impatient. Things get better and I want more. I want more and they don't come uh, as quick as I'd like them. And I end up picking up and inevitably I can't stop and I end up back in treatment. And so I feel extremely fortunate to Dave and to the whole dopey nation for, for, uh, for this opportunity. Um, I absolutely intend on making the most of it. And as far as I know, talking to Dave, I'm hoping to uh, to do a semi-regular segment so I can let you all know how I'm doing and also give you details on how uh, how awesome of a facility Aloe is, the, the people I've spoke to there so far. Um, Brandon and uh, Cynthia have been incredible. And so um, I will uh, hopefully have a chance to talk about them talk about how I'm progressing and uh, everybody out there stay safe and if you are on the fence and you're thinking about going back out don't do it 
Uh, take it from someone who's been doing it, and it is fucking miserable. Got a giant hole in my arm, like uh, if you've seen Requiem for a Dream, that's what my arm looks like. Hoping I don't have to have it sliced off. Um, the, uh, the the sober way of life, although it's difficult at times, maybe even boring, some may say, it's a hell of a lot better than, than living this way, hurting others, hurting ourselves. So stay strong, Dopey Nation. Dave, thank you for all that you do. And, uh, and toodles for Chris. All right, all right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, I love to hear from Don. Yeah, um, that was great. What a fucking mess, and uh, I think he really uh, illustrated it perfectly. Uh, anybody who's fucking around out there, um, you can get better. It and can... Don sounds like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. Well, I mean, the the deal is, like, I mean, it's something I forget all the time. Uh, with our nice suburban life and, like, me making fun of myself that I'm scared I'm sick and that I burn my arm and whatever... Right. You know, years ago, I was, you know, I had abscesses and I couldn't stop shooting dope and I couldn't stop buying drugs and I didn't want to stop. And um, and the fact that my life is still the same life as that life and I'm sober and I have freedom and we have each other in this house, it, it's like, I don't want to be preachy, but like your life can get better. If you're on the fence about it, you could you could make some actions and your life could get better and it's amazing. And um, and I'm glad that Aloe's going to give Don a long stint. And I think that's what he needs. And a lot of people need a fucking break, you know? Yeah. Anyway. It's funny that I feel like it's how long you've been clean for, what, five years, right? Five years this summer, four so, and a half years. Right. And, and Dave, even still to this day, um, remembers like it was yesterday, um, what it was like to be, I, I don't, what am I trying to say? I don't know. What are you trying to say? Um, I feel like it's still very fresh for you and it's been almost five years. Uh, well, I, it, what it, it was like when your life was in complete shambles. And so when you hear a friend like Don or when you, when you talk to different people who are still out on the street or using or, or just got clean, you're, you're like right there with, that person because you haven't forgotten after five years what it was like to be um, in a really bad way. Well, the fucked up thing is and I, want, and I is, do forget. What were you going to say, Lynn? No, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. Do you no, feel like I, that's I, accurate? I forget everything. You, me, and Nora were sitting down to watch Top Chef, and Nora was talking about some of the contestants from last year. I don't remember any of them. Nora's like, oh, remember the guy with the mustache? I was like, I don't know who that is. I, I forget everything. But is it because it, it, it's there's some trauma associated with it that it's so fresh and you're like you can so quickly connect to it, or we can also talk about trauma and that um, what was the woman woman's name who spoke about trauma? How you forget. Um, Alexis? Yes. Alexis was saying that you forget things that are traumatic. But then I also feel like for you, it's almost opposite where it's so raw for you, your years of using drugs that you can so quickly connect to it. You know, I, I honestly feel like for me, like it's a new life. 
Like, yeah. and I feel totally separated from the last life until I hear from somebody like Don. It brings you right back. Yeah, and I yeah. remember when Don came on the show, he came to my apartment on Grand Street mm. and Chris was there mm -hmm. and we didn't even have a mic. We were talking into the computer, the three of us. Wow, and that's he, cool. And he was on methadone. And uh, he was telling these stories. you were stories. sober for how long were you and Chris five sober? I was sober for five and months. And Chris had been sober for like two years Two and, and a half years or something. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hadn't done heroin for a while, though. You know, when I got sober, it had been a while since I had done heroin. But, it but re five months is nothing. But I wasn't doing heroin five months before I right, got sober. I was smoking weed. Um, but the deal is, like, for me, it feels like I've lived many lives. And those lives feel like way back in the past until I hear about the struggle. Yeah. And then when I hear about the struggle, I, I just feel incredibly lucky. Well, I watched Dave's face listening to Don talking, and, and I could see in your face that you were really connecting to everything he was saying. Like you were having these reactions that he was talking about the drugs he was shooting up, and you were going, oh, like he was having his own kind of experience next to me quietly, and I could see him really almost living it. Right? In a way, I was watching you at the corner of my eye, and I think that's interesting, and it's been almost five years, so it's still that close to, I don't know, not close to reality, but it's it's still on the surface in a lot of ways. It's it's. I, I just feel incredibly fortunate, and, and it's a miraculous thing that happened yeah. to me. I also feel badly And it's for, exciting for Don that he gets to go to Aloe for, what, six months? Well, that's, that's the nice amazing. way to look at it, and I know that he has struggled. I've talked to Don off and on. And uh, I talked to a bunch of people who can't stop using. Um, I want to tell you a funny story. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago, right? You know, every morning I get up at 4.40 in the morning. Um, not lately. Not, no, not no. since you've had the coronavirus. No, thank God. <laughs> the coronavirus. It's, you've been having nice long uh, Yes. Mornings. I've, been sleep, I've been sleeping nicely late. And of course I can't wake him up because he has the I'm, coronavirus. It's so it's really, really been working in his favor. It's a really nice phase <laughs> we're, we're in right now. Yeah, Dave's enjoying it. But you know, for, for <laughs> a long time, I was doing a catering event every day and I was up every morning at 440. Yes, and that's true. And one morning... Uh, every morning I go downstairs and I set up my computer and I usually like put Mad Men on and I clean up the kitchen, I make coffee, whatever. And uh, I put on my computer and I put Mad Men on and all of a sudden I get a text to the Dopey Podcast Facebook group and it's this dude in Mexico and he's tripping acid, mm -hmm. okay? And he it's 4.40 in the morning. I'm on my way to, to cater. Is there a time difference? Uh, probably. I think it was probably like 1.40 for him <laughs> in the morning. And he was like on vacation in Mexico or something. And he's like, oh. Dave, I need help. I'm tripping oh acid. I, I need help. I need to be grounded. And I was like, dude, I was like... I, Did I, you write him back? Of course I wrote him back. I wrote, uh, I sent him a link to a Funkadelic song called uh, Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts. And I said, dude, you should check out this song while you're tripping because it's this very... But he was in a bad place. Well, that song could have gotten it him out of it. Him. That's what I right. thought. You're being a guide, like I, guiding him I was through. trying to be a sort of shaman for right. him. And I sent him Good Thoughts, <laughs> Bad Thoughts. And, um, Did he, it help? Did well, you know, he back? put it on, he goes, I don't want to listen to this trippy yeah, bullshit. I completely understand he's, what he's saying. He's like, I need help. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm fucking going to cater right now. Like, I don't know how I can help you. Wow. He goes, he goes, I just want to get wavy. <laughs> he texted wavy. me. He said, I just want to get wavy in the streets. What does and that mean? It means like he wanted to go trip out and have fun. Anyway, 10 days later, I heard from him again. 
and he has 10 days sober now. And he sent in a voicemail. And uh, he said, did I talk to you while I was tripping? And I was like, yeah, I told you to listen to Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts. He's like, oh, yeah. And he said, I just listened to it, and I wish I had listened to it while I was tripping. All right, well, for all the Dopey fans who are still using acid, there's there's your... Uh, if you're a Dopey there's fan... There's some advice. And you're, and you're tripping acid or mushrooms or ecstasy Dave. or even DMT, I strongly recommend I listening to Funkadelic, Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts. It answers all the questions of life. And don't you want to also say to not use drugs? No, I like to say let your freak flag fly. If you're young and you have stuff to do and, you know, not every person that trips out. If I want to get wavy, I'm not going to listen to that. You're not going to get wavy and listen to Good Thoughts, That wouldn't make me wavy. I don't think you hate that. Every time that song comes on, Linda goes, this song is so fucking annoying. It's annoying. Anyway, here, this is the dude. This is Christian. Hey, Dopey Nation, this is Christian from Lafayette, Louisiana, 337, represent, same place that Jed from Church and Other Drugs is from, bringing you some dopey stories back from uh, Mardi Gras, this last Mardi Gras a couple weeks ago, um, took a trip down to Cosmel, uh, Cosmel, Mexico, and they celebrate Carnival down there, which is derivative of the same thing Mardi Gras is from, so they're having the parades and all that shit, and, um, and I'm real fucking drunk one night, our hotel had a nice mini bar, um, in the room, uh, all inclusive. So I was real hammered. Uh, I'd smuggled some acid with me. So I dropped the tab, um, wait for it to kick in. And then it's probably about two or three in the morning. So I head down to, uh, this, uh, concert they're having for the locals. Um, it's locals only, there's no fucking, there's no Americans there except for me. And so I head down there and I party with them a little bit. And then I notice there's this tent with foosball tables underneath. So I go play some foosball, kick some ass, um, and turn around, and there's there's another foosball table with one versus two, you know? So uh, I'm like, all right, I'll help this guy out. So I'll walk over, and I'm not even fucking exaggerating. This dude is 4'5", with a Kobe Bryant jersey down to his knees, and they're calling him Lil' Kobe. His, his nickname is Lil' Kobe, so... Playing foosball with Lil' Kobe, and uh, he notices I have an LSU shirt on, and he's like, oh, go Tigers, LSU, Joe Burrow, and I'm like, hell yeah, man, fucking, fucking A, and uh, every time we score a point, he's like, LSU, go Tigers, yeah, so, so we finish the game, the other guys buy us around a beer, and I decide to give Lil' Kobe my LSU shirt, you know, to remember me by, to remember the night, so gave him my LSU shirt, we part ways, go back to the hotel, drink a little more, wait for the acid to come down, pass out, next day, me and my uncle go to try to find some weed, um, in the town, and, uh, a guy on a street corner points us to this shop, and we walk in, we're like, hey, we heard y'all had some weed, and, uh, about four guys in there, one of them walks in the back, and comes out with none other than fucking Lil Kobe. Lil fucking Kobe, still 4'5", still wearing the Kobe Bryant jersey, down to his fucking knees. And uh, he doesn't remember me. He doesn't show any recognition from me. But um, I'm wearing a different shirt, obviously. I had given him my LSU shirt, but my uncle was wearing an LSU shirt because he's also a big LSU fan. And uh, Lil Kobe, go Tiger, LSU, Joe Burrow. And we're like, yeah, man, cool. So you got some weed. And he pulls out these baggies, about an eighth in each baggie, this shitty Mexican ditch weed. And my uncle buys a fucking eighth for like 90 bucks. Didn't even try to negotiate. And... Um, so we got this $90 Mexican ditch weed, about an eighth. We head back to the hotel, roll a blunt, start hitting it, and it's obviously fucking laced. We're 
were sky fucking high off this Mexican dish weed. We're drooling and fucking staggering around. We're fucked off of this Mexican dish weed, bro. It's, I mean, it's laced with something. And, um, so that night, uh, my uncle had gone to bed. I'm hammering the alcohol. I'm fucking smoking the, the shit and, uh, drop another tab that I had smuggled from the States. And, uh, it's probably about four or five in the morning. I had come down from the acid. I'm still smoking the weed, still drinking. And I decided I needed some chaos because for about seven months before this, um, I had been drinking and, and using pills real heavy and, uh, smoking weed and psychedelics, obviously. Um, but the alcohol and the pills were the huge problem. And I knew that I needed to get my shit together, but I needed something to push me into sobriety. You guys understand. I needed the chaos. So while I'm in Mexico, I decide what better time than to fucking have chaos here, you know? What fucking better place? So, um, I decide that I'm going to leave the hotel. And in my head, I can't just walk out of the front door. It's like five in the morning. There's workers down there. I have one shoe on. And my hair's all fucked. My shirt's torn. I'm, I'm fucked. So I can't just walk out the front door. I can't do that. So I find this, um, this like stairwell for the employees, uh, with like the restaurant kitchen doors, you know, the, the metal panel, the, uh, at the bottom, the, the fucking, um, the glass uh, circle windows, um, and I start kind of pushing them open real slow. Not, nah, I'm not gonna swing it open because I don't want to alert anybody. But it probably would have been more quiet to just do that because I start pushing them open and it's just creaking real fucking loud, you know. And uh, and as soon as I get through the door, you know, I'm looking for cameras and shit. As soon as I get through the door, I hear the door at the bottom of the stairwell fucking swing open. And in my head, this dude threw the door open. It's an armed federale fucking running up the stairwell. He's going to shoot my ass. He's going to arrest my ass. I don't know. But in my head, I'm being chased by fucking policia right now. Uh, probably wasn't. It, it was just an employee at the fucking hotel. But anyway, so... Um, in my head, this dude is sprinting up the stairwell coming after me. So I turn and I gun it back to my room. I'm fucking going through the maze of hallways back to my room. Uh, I had a can of, uh, I had a, like a Coke can filled with tequila, uh, that I was planning on bringing with me so that I could drink while I was out. Cause they'll, they'll stop you if you have like open alcohol, you know? So, uh, I eat shit on one of the turns, fucking drop the can, uh, scrape my knee, fucking bust up my shoulder and I stand up fucking grab the can finish what's left because like half of it had poured out so i finished what's left throw it on the ground and gun it back to my room and uh i had gone up a level for some reason so i gotta go down uh some stairs so i turn run down the stairs and i see while i'm running down the stairs a maid pushing her cart and i stop you know i, I slow it to a walking pace acting like i'm not fucking running away from shadow demons and uh and i say buenos dias uh, you know, as best as I can, and, uh, she's like, buenos dias, and, uh, like, she's looking at me with this fucking face, like, what the fuck are you doing, are you okay, so, um, 
So I kind of nod at her, and, and uh, I mean, I'm fucking drenched in sweat. I'm all fucking ratchety. She knows something's going on. But anyway, so as soon as she's out of eye- eyesight, I fucking sprint again. I know she heard my fucking footsteps sprinting down that stairwell. And I get back to my room, swing the door open, slam it back closed, look through the peephole. Nobody's there. I'm like, hell yeah, fucking got away from these fucking policia. Hell yeah. Hariba, you know? And, um... So I head back to the balcony, I'm going to smoke some cigs, I'm going to get my ass to sleep, and uh, I'm out of cigarettes, so I grab a new pack, and I can't fucking figure out how to how to open the plastic tab, so I use my teeth and just fucking tear that shit open, and I'm smoking the cigarettes down to the filter, and I start putting them out on my arm, I need chaos, I didn't get enough chaos, so I start putting them out on my arm, um... And uh, about halfway through the pack, I switch to my chest, start putting them out of my chest, and this shit is disgusting, bro. It's, it, it's the skin's bubbling. It uh, when I pull the filter away, it's like it's like the fucking uh, like little strings of skin are still stuck to the filter that it like burned on there, and oh, it was oh, it was so fucking nasty. It was like melted plastic, bro. It was disgusting. And the next day, you know, I, my shirt's getting stuck to the, to the, uh, to the burn wounds and shit. It, it's, was not a good experience. I highly recommend not putting cigarettes out on your chest. It's not a good time. Um, but anyway, so get through that. The next day I reach out to some folks. I'm like, hey, I need to get my shit together. I'm in Mexico right now, but when I get back, you know. Let's do this shit. So reach out to the people in my hometown, get two sponsors, one from before and one new guy. So I got two sponsors right now doing the work. Uh, reached out to Dave, reached out to the Dopey Nation, reached out to all the guys in Lafayette. I'm doing my fucking thing. I'm getting fucking clean. Uh, I got some guys that want me to sponsor them when I get through the steps. I'm real fucking hype about that. Um, but... Anyway, I just want to thank the Dopey Nation. Thank you, Dave, especially fucking Andrew G from the Dopey Nation Facebook page. He has helped tremendously. He's been messaging me. He's been calling me. Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, So thank you, Dopey Nation. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Love you guys. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles for Chris. I love that. I can't believe you didn't mention fucking funkadelic or getting wavy or any of that he had a lot of other things he needed to talk about but he does shout out good old andrew yeah he does right and um andrew's andrew's very cool andrew is a pillar of the dopey community and he sent in a little corona update you want to hear how andrew's i would love to hear from andrew here we go Yo, what's up, Dave? What's up, Dopey nation this is andrew from philly i hope everyone's hanging in there this shit is crazy um I am glad I'm still working, although I don't feel like going to work, but at least I'm still making money. I'm worried about my daughter, worried about my wife. She's an ICU nurse, but uh, I am glad I'm still not getting high. If anyone needs to talk, hit me up. Dave, stay safe in New York. And uh, I figure if all that dope didn't kill us, we'll probably be all right through this. So, yeah, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles. That's what I'm saying. If the dope didn't kill us, this is going to be fine. I'm glad Andrew brought us back to the corona talk. I think it's time yeah. I think it's time we turn to uh, my father, the great Alan, and see how he's surviving. I think, this. Well, can I just say one thing about what Andrew said? Yeah, please, I'm sorry. So, um, you're not very sensitive to the coronavirus situation, 
clearly. I'm just trying to have a good time. I'm kidding. But I want to mention, <clears throat> so not to talk about like the, the support group that, that's on Facebook. Oh, here but we go. No, I'm not even. <laughs> I mean, How do people find your coronavirus support it group, Linda? It doesn't, it so doesn't matter. But the one thing I want to say is that Andrew mentioned on it, and I don't, that's how I knew that he mentioned his wife and that she is one of those those people that are that I think are are actually like they're heroes, you know. They leave every day and they go to hospitals and they go to help take care of us when we're not well. And um she's on the front lines of this thing, risking life and limb for the good of the world. Well, yeah. So we commend Andrew's wife. And Andrew has a a, a toddler. Yes. The same age as we do. So then her the, the mother her, his wife and and mom comes home, and I really admire that. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that was heard in Andrew's well, thank che- you. check-in. So, so we're saying Andrew's wife is a hero, and we commend her, Andrew's wife. So now let's see about getting my dad on the phone. This should be fun. Oh, boy. All right, Dad, welcome to the show. How are you surviving uh, with the coronavirus in Manhattan? You are You are the vulnerable member of the community, you're, you're over 75. Your health is not particularly great. You're fragile. You're in a, a building full of other over 75-year-old shut-ins. What are you doing to stave off boredom? Cut it out. Cut it out. Come on. I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm, Alan. I'm, I'm, I'm here I'm to support you. I'm worried about you and Linda and, my, and Susie and Nora. I'm worried about my grandchildren, Nina and Alex. What are you worried about? Because you guys are the ones who, who are seem to be problems. You you were coughing and you had a temperature. I have no temperature. I feel good. Uh, I walked down 21 flights to avoid the elevator, but I'm not doing that again. And uh, and I'm wearing a mask. Uh, when somebody gets into the elevator, I get out. And I've been walking, walking miles and miles. Uh, but let me tell the dopey nation, New York City, uh, we're we're in deep trouble. Um, the streets are deserted. All the stores are closed. Everything is closed. And I remember, so, I remember three weeks ago, I was getting nervous, and you said, you got nothing to be nervous about. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to go to San Francisco, blah, blah, blah. Remember? You naysayed this whole thing. Again, you're, you're, you're misstating what I said. All I said was don't panic. Remember, right. I bought it. I remember, I bought extra herring and seltzer, so I knew I knew we needed to have the important stuff in the house. I knew that. So it sounds like you're panicking now, though. Are you panicking? No, no. I, I was really worried about you and Linda. That's right. all. I mean, your dad um, does not sound like he's panicking at all. Would you say no. you were worried because you know I probably have the coronavirus? Well, the point of the matter is that did you, did you tell the Dopey Nation you got tested? Yes, of course. Okay, well, the results haven't come in, but your symptoms are very, very minor. And then I was worried about Linda and Susie and Laura, and, uh, and uh, well, I hope... How are you? Linda, are you okay? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's okay. Everybody's All right. okay. Yeah, so, so anyway, so uh, the city, is, is, it's eerie. It's, it's, it's very, very, very incredibly... Uh, opposite of what it is. In other right. words, if you, if you broadcast here, you wouldn't hear any sirens outside or the mm. ambulances. Or, uh, it's very quiet. There's hardly any traffic on 8th Avenue. It's, it's incredibly quiet. Um, Have you been walking around a lot? 
Oh yeah, I was walking all along the Hudson River today, trying trying to be smart as I'm walking, and all of a sudden, as I'm walking, this guy runs right next to me, and as he's standing next to me, he coughed, and I'm saying, "Oh, you know, give me a break. This is just what I need." So, and then I realized this guy is like running a marathon. He's he's going like 100 miles an hour, so I presume he's healthy. So, so Alan, so Alan, yeah. listen to this. Story. Yeah. My dad, so my father um, has Alzheimer's and uh, doesn't, you know, necessarily understand what's going on. And my mom and my dad were going for a walk through the park today. And they're, you know, it's a beautiful day. People are out, right? But there's people out and about, but they're all Ooh. starting to get used to the fact that they need to keep distance. six to 10 feet distance. So yeah. it's funny. You're st- we're starting to notice that everyone's kind of doing that, but naturally it's. Strange. But uh, so my mom told me that a woman was sitting on a bench with her dog and her and my dad were walking by and my dad goes over to pet the dog, you know, forgetting that there's the coronavirus coronavirus and just, you know, just operating very naturally, like how we would naturally in life. And the woman Mm. started yelling at my father for petting the dog. It's not like my dad tried to like French kiss her, you know, but I get it, I guess. (laughs) I was in the elevator and these two people get, I was wearing a mask and these two people got into the elevator. I mean, with all of their belongings, you know, with, with, they were escaping New York city. So I asked, where are you escaping to? And they said, and they said, New Jersey, which doesn't sound like much of an escape. Well, uh, right. And then the elevator stopped on another floor and somebody was going to get in, but I got out. Well, you were smart. You fled the elevator, the New Jersey I, coronavirus. I, I fled. Yes. And then I walked down eight flights from there. At that point. So my dad. Okay. So Alan, my dad goes to pet this woman's dog yeah. and she starts yelling at my dad. And she starts saying, you know, we're practicing social distancing. And we was, meaning her we and meaning the dog. Her dog. And my mom goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, my, we'd, and she goes, you, you know, please do not touch, do not touch us. And starts yelling. And my dad's like, oh, 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 like had no idea what was happening. And my mom was like, I'm sorry. And come on, come on, Tony. And like grabs my dad. And the woman went b- bananas. So yeah. and 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 then but what yes, my mom, everybody is uh, is is you know what we're afraid you know and we're well, afraid my, mo- my mom the irony is my mother didn't fault the woman at all she was yeah, sad that my dad just you know didn't get it but she said you know she said that that woman was a hundred percent right you know who knows well, what's on that no I wonder is there everybody out in the dopey nation you know having to figure out how to deal with this stuff yeah. You know, um, like I have this huge list of things I'm supposed to do every day, and why don't you tell and... us? Tell us your your list, your sad list of tasks. It's like <laughs> step one: I think it's pour wonderful. myself a bowl of cereal, a hundred pieces of honey nut Cheerios, fifty pieces of Rice Krispie treats. Two, do you His count? mix, Alan's Wait, mix. You count the cereal time pieces. Time out, time out. I do have a I do have a large supply of cookies, which uh, <laughs> this is dangerous. I'm afraid of gaining Uh-oh. weight, actually. You're going to gain but the COVID-19. Alan, Alan needs to call the Zoom meeting for his cookie addiction. And um, listen, so what's on your schedule? You count the cereal, and then you spend 20 minutes uh, doing the excuse jigsaw me, puzzle? I, excuse me. I have very important things to do. I, I have to do this like. online course, which I have no clue how to do, but I'm doing it. 
Uh, I have to check in with the students to see if they're sending me in their their work. Yeah. Uh, I I've been I've been doing I've been doing exercises. I did push-ups and and weight weight things. And I wish I've Dave would reading. do that. I've got the coronavirus. I can't do anything. <laughs> see another reason why Dave's glad he has the coronavirus. He doesn't have to exercise. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> I, you see I I am not afraid, and I'm neck deep in the virus. I, he, you wanted to come out. You were like, I'm healthy. I can come out. You'd be dying right now if you would come out because you would have gotten the heavy dose of my corona. And especially right. I, and I know you wouldn't drink any Corona because I know that alcohol is not is not what you would get involved with. Uh, did you hear that? Joke <laughs> that was with funny, corona? Alan. Did you hear the joke with Corona and Lyme disease? Oh, corona gee, gee, Lyme? Dad, you got to get off Facebook. <laughs> Let's hear What's it. That? I want to hear it. That What's, was the joke. That was the whole joke. Oh, that was the joke. It, it, oh, okay. it's, it's a meme. It's some dumb <laughs> Corona Lyme disease meme. Oh, well, Corona and Lyme come together. That's that's all that there was. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we should be more serious. Uh, this is yeah. this is uh, very very difficult times. And Linda, that group you started was really very nice. That's good. It's getting it's getting quite it's getting a lot of activity. But I think people are getting scared. As the more yeah. scared people get, the more that group's going to get. Uh, well, they got to be uh, again. I'm I'm going to say you got to be calmed down, but you really got to listen to not associate with other Alan, people. Alan, your friends are very intense on that. Your friends are actually very vocal in that group. Really? Your yeah. big mouth friends, the big old timers, they're scaring Linda's friends. But the question <laughs> is, Dad, how yes. long do you think this is going to go on? How long do you think the pseudo quarantine will last? When do you think you'll have the book club resume? When are you going to come back out to Long Island? What do you think is happening? What do you, Howard Cosell? I, I, oh, my I, God. <laughs> Well, I, I can tell you, I I think uh, it's going to last certainly until May. I think uh, I think this birthday. is not going to calm down until May, uh, and I hope it calms down then. I don't know. And uh, and in terms of, I'm not even going to ask you about the the restaurant business. I'm not even going to bring that up. Um, but well, the uh, best thing the best thing about the coronavirus is not going to work, and the worst thing is staying home with the children. Yeah, it's a double edged sword. <laughs> Yes. Well, now you know what Linda was putting up. Thank with you, Alan. Kids. She loves being a stay-at-home mom. Not oh, with three you, children, well, like we talked about I, earlier. You, you need, everybody needs a break from, from different kinds of things. That's right. Uh, and look, it sounds like the Dopey Nation were having their own meetings today or something. They were they were getting together. Uh, with Is that the Zoom? The Zoom, yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Did you get on the meeting, Dad? No, no. I, I, I watch what they do. I see what they do. I, I read what they write. But I don't want to get get in. I don't want to get on that stuff. Uh, I need my privacy. <laughs> That's what I need. But but they were worried about me. There were people who were worried because oh. you kept telling them how old and fragile I was. Well, I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying. You're very old and very fragile. No. And you need to be. You need to. Your be dad is in amazing shape. He's in well, yeah, for an old man. For no, an old and fragile no. man, he's in great shape. It's like it's like it's like being the smartest dumb guy or the tallest short guy or something. Just to, you know, calm down. Just yeah, calm down. I don't that's agree enough. with what that, he said. That's, that's enough with that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you know, you did have trauma when you were young. Yes. <gasps> yeah, you uh, know, you were dropped on your head a couple of times. <laughs> I hope the dopey nation knows that, right? Yes, it's true. Not to mention your 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 friend, your your friend, 
and all the sexual trauma that I probably went through that I've repressed. No, so that, that <laughs> yeah, is all right. Let, listen, that's nonsense. I'm shaking my fact, head at him, Alan, way, telling him to shut up. With, uh, just so you know, with uh, this, you know, the staff infection that could be a trauma considered a trauma also at eight days of age. So um, what, yeah, I, I, I had I, I had a staph infection. Uh, what do you mean on dopey Nate? What are you talking you were, about? You were hospitalized when you were eight days old. I, I know, um, but what are you talking about, know. dopey nation? That they that they didn't know about that. So yeah, so on the show you've mentioned. I think when Chris was alive, when we did the show yeah. with Chris, that when I was eight days old, I had a staph infection and a layer of my skin came off, and they had to sew it back on. And you're saying that that trauma plus repeated blows to the head and perhaps some sexual trauma as well all coalesced, coalesced into me having a heroin addiction. That's what you're saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that all... Forget the sex stuff. You, you were not sexually abused by... by it's any, easy for any, you to say. <laughs> well, I yes, it's easy for me to say. It's true. But, but yes, you did get dropped on your head. But then again, you, at age four years old, you, you had uh, enough intelligence to get into the best school in, in Manhattan. So... So obviously that didn't that didn't stop you uh, from that. And uh, but who knows what trauma is in terms of uh, so young? Because I heard it from another story that uh, a baby who had that is you know suffering later with addiction problems. So I don't yeah I don't know. The whole thing is very difficult to understand how somebody has this aversion for addiction. So or this. Uh, uh, this problem of addiction, I should say. Not aversion. This, this, this aversion is, is, is better than having a problem. Right. Yes. So you're saying that, well, I mean, other people will argue that even being born is a trauma for a baby, that everybody has a trauma. The trauma well, of... Yeah, uh, at birth, yeah. The birth process is, is... But listen, obviously, everybody, you know, if you've survived the birth process, then life is the trauma. I mean, that's probably the, the bottom line. Getting through life, that's, this is it. Everybody has to deal with all this stuff. I think this um, is this you know, this year. This I'm is, feeling incredible. I think uh, I'm feeling easy. very traumatized and listening it's to you guys. Absolutely wonderful, and sometimes it's not. And now we just have to get through with this. And uh, and if we're smart, we can get through with it. And I guess you got to be lucky also, but also smart and not associate with too many people face to face. You mean with this Corona thing? Dad, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. I think this appearance might have traumatized me further. Maybe you should start writing a book about uh, addiction and trauma. I, I have no... Because you're have, such I'm, a fucking expert. I am not... You're impossible. I am not an expert. I never said I was an expert. And uh, and maybe you should find some experts to come on the show, which maybe you won't find any. But I think, you, I think you're doing a good job doing what you're doing, and I'm very proud of you. Wow, and look at that. Love, love, love you, too. Love and, you, Alan. And your wonderful children. And everybody out there, please stay healthy, okay? All right. All right, so stay good night, because I'm going to go to sleep, all right? All right say good night. Good night, Alan. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, well, there's my dad. Everybody loves my dad on the show. You can't not, not love Alan. He's the best. And I think we're going to go to an expert now. We had the privilege... I'm right here. What would you like to know? We had the privilege of talking to the great Bob Forrest about the coronavirus and its Ooh. impact in Los Angeles and at his treatment center, where actually Don is going to. All right. Um, so here's Bob. So whenever, whenever there's a terrible crisis in the world, 
we get Bob Forrest on the phone, but I need to dis- fully disclose, Bob was just on fire for four minutes, but because, <laughs> because I have the coronavirus, I forgot to plug the fucking mixer into the computer, so I apologize, Bob. I apologize, Dopey Nation. How are you feeling, Bob? You scared? No, I feel like, no, I'm never scared of nothing. Never but, scared. But I am, I am shocked and awed by the response to something that is that is scary and unknowable and whatever but the facts are the facts is you know by 2025 the estimates are a million americans are going to have died of drug overdoses you ever hear anything about the on the news about that dave rarely, you ever hear anything rarely, about that rarely rarely yeah 70 80,000 100,000 it's always always underreported too i think uh, you know and there's just been this skyrocketing death rate since the mid 2000s and it goes from 30,000 to 50,000 oh, right 30,000 to 50,000 uh, 70,000 to 80,000 and that's underreporting right and and you know by 2025 it's estimated that a million people can drive drugs in America yet you don't hear anything about it we're not even doing anything about it we don't do anything about it and now this that is, you know, everybody's got their opinions about it. That is uh, frightening, but it doesn't affect 80% of the people who who live in the society are, are at little to no risk. And this isn't misinformation. Here's what I know about the medical profession, because I've been working in it for 20 years. They're always the most cautious. Right. Right. You can't live a life being as cautious as the medical profession wants you to be. Right. It's un, it's unachievable. Right. And now they're in charge of our society. And to what end, Bob? Like what, what is there a bigger story or do you think it is just fear of this thing? I, I think they're not talking about the real issues is is that. Yeah, are they use terms that are very vague and sound very Christian-like and are, are most vulnerable, right? Are most vulnerable. What does that term mean? It means they don't want to say the people that have been thrown away by their families who are living in nursing homes, an ungodly practice in America. Right, who are alone, who are isolated, who are vulnerable yeah, anyway. demented and vulnerable. And, and I, I just give the example. My Auntie Abby was, her name was Evelyn Thornblatt. She's my idol. She's why I do what I do. She was the greatest woman I ever have known. She worked in, in healthcare and nursing. And, and she, she just always was helpful. She was always kind, always thoughtful. She's like the angel of our family. And I asked her one time, like, Auntie Abby, why are you you in such a good mood all the time? And she goes, oh, Bobby, I just love helping. I just Mm. love helping. Right. So what do we all do in the 12 step world? And if you're good at the 12 step work you you just love helping i don't do it for any other reason than i like helping people so she you know because she lived this good christian life she lived to be like 96 years old 
Right. She was in a nursing home from the time she was like 90 or 89 or something. She had fallen, broken her hip. All the stories that we all hear about our grandparents and our great-grandparents just happened to my Auntie Abby, and I loved her. And she was at a nursing home that was on my way home from Joshua Tree on Sunday nights. We stop and, you know, bring her food and sit with her and talk with her. And she said the most profound thing. She had lost her most of her hearing. She couldn't really hear that well. She couldn't. She went blind. She couldn't get around. And she was living in this room in this nursing home. And she said, Bobby, I got to tell you, I pray every night to the Lord to take me. Wow. Because she knew what was going on. She knew her time was done. Yeah, your purposefulness and usefulness is gone. But we can't talk about that stuff right now. We need to protect our most vulnerable. And so so all these bigger thoughts and bigger ideas that America never thinks about or never talks about, it only happens on podcasts like this. Like, you know, we want to protect people, but do we want to destroy a society to protect our most vulnerable? Right. Or do and or do we want to let people that don't want to be on the planet choose to well, leave England it. has England has a completely different approach than we're doing. And no, you never see any media coverage about that. English is saying, let it roll. What does that mean? They're saying that everyone is going to have the virus anyways. And so isn't it better to build up antibodies in the 80% of the society that will not be affected by it? But But we're taking this other way around where the medical profession is in charge of our society now. I think, a, I think that's the weird part. Time. The weird part is if 80% are going to get it, like why? I mean, listen, no, I... If you, if you get it, nothing's going to happen. Like you have it right now. I'm convinced of it. You gave me your signs, signs and symptoms. I believe my friend Josh had it a few weeks ago. He was in Seattle near Kirkland, Washington. It's everywhere and people are having it and you're building up an immunity and, a, and they're trying to learn about the virus. The only way they're going to learn about it is if people get it. Right. The funny thing to me is how similar the symptoms are to heroin withdrawal. Um, I think that's funny. This, this terrible chill, this kind of unknowing how long it will take for you to feel better, this fear around it. I think it, it's got a lot of similarities. I don't know. Yeah, so does, so does the flu. I mean, I had that flu two years ago, whatever you want to call it. I almost died from that flu. I was, I was going in and out of the emergency rooms, going back and forth. I couldn't breathe. I really, there was one night where I, I stayed away from the family, stayed in my office on the couch in my office, and because I, I didn't want to bum everyone out and get everyone sick, I thought I was going to die of it. Right. Right. So I understand what people are feeling. That was of the common flu that was so strong that it hit two years ago. Right. And I, I mean, you just had the flu a few weeks ago when you were on the yeah. show last time. And I was yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I was thinking about it. Like, how many Maybe people? Maybe that was it. That's yeah, what I'm I saying. That. Chrissy, I just had the flu like a month ago last time I was on Dope, remember? Maybe that was coronavirus. It's very, I mean, the flu was supposed to be like hitting crazy hard this year and nobody knows what the fuck this is anyway. I mean, who knows? Well, I think everybody that has a runny nose is going to think they've got it for sure. Totally. Right? I was serving. But, I was serving people on Friday at uh, Wells Fargo, suppressing coughs, trying to wipe my should, nose with my sleeve. It was an ugly you should, fucking. You should have Doctor Drew on. Have you had Drew on lately? No, I think Drew's been super busy. I feel like uh, like I'm going to die from this thing. You can die from the common flu. I mean, this whole, but see, somehow about this thing that's going on that's forcing our society to think about mortality, it's just how dumb most Americans don't think about the fact that they're going to die. All junkies do. I was told I was going to die every day from 1986 to, to, you know, 1999. Totally. 
no, no, every no. day. If you do, if you keep using, you're going to die. You're going to die. I'm not going to your funeral. Blah, 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 blah. So we're forced as addicts to think about our mortality and think about how fragile life is and to think yeah, you could die any day. Any fucking day you could die. Right. And that's the way I don't like think the average Americans think like that. No, I mean, and that's why the we, first right. time they've had to think like a junkie. That's interesting. How, what's the scene like? What's the scene amongst the junkies? Like how many people are like, I want to use before I die. How many people are like, I want to get my shit together when this thing goes down. Like what's the, what's the, well, the feeling on the streets? People are nervous that dope's going to dry up. Cause that's what happened in the two past kind of crises in Los Angeles during the, I was using during the um, Rodney King riots. And then I was using during the Northridge earthquake. So dope dries up. Like right now, they just shut down the borders between uh, Mexico and America and Canada and America. So that's the mules aren't going to be able to get the dope over into Southern California. Right. Because what they do is just flood the flood people coming through. And then, you know, you have 10 people holding it and only two get caught. You get eight, you know, eight pounds through. So that's they're shutting down the borders. So the, the dope in Los Angeles and Orange County and San Diego and Victorville and Las Vegas is all going to dry up. So addicts are going to be dope sick. And what do you right? what do you foresee? You foresee people running to treatment? Do you no, see I'm people running to methadone? To, no, I think they're going to frighteningly turn to fentanyl. Right. And then you're going to have a second pandemic. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, I, it's funny. Two friends of mine um, lived right across the street from the World Trade Center. And and when 9-11 happened, you know, they and they worked in restaurants in downtown there. And so they and they were kind of two junky guys. And so they, you know, that life, you've lived that life. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you probably know them. Maybe. So. So uh, one of them came to my show at the living room one time. I played 9-11, like, I don't know, 2002 or something, 2003. And one of them came there, and I said, what's up with you? And he looked great, and he was dressed well. And I was like, he was like, you know, I hate to say it, but 9-11 was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. So he got all this disability money. He got relocation money because his apartment building was uninhabitable. Right. Right? Three months after we had that conversation outside the living room on the Lower East Side, right near Cat's Deli, uh, he died of a drug overdose. Uh, so so it didn't so work out for actually him. Actually, 9-11 killed him. <laughs> right. Well, it was just a, a rebound kill. Like I mean, and, and that could happen, and that could happen with um with this money that the government is sending. Or exactly, it's the same I'm exact story. You. That's interesting. And um and how and what's going on at Allo? Like, what's the vibe? Are people? Oh, everybody is pulling together. It's really good vibe. Like 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 I was saying, like the clients don't want to leave because you're leaving into this uncertain weird world you know how rehab is or at least chris certainly did it's like a cocoon no of course it's like a never it's like neverland (laughs) so so the people that are there are liking it some some want to get home to their families but i I have to point out like that's just your disease what do you really want to leave for your family wants you to stay here they're cool they're telling you they're cool oh you want to go be with your family you really want to go do dope and you have that conversation ten times a day with these kids, with these adults, with these yeah, addicts. Yeah, yeah, but I have it a couple times, yeah, a day. No, I know that conversation. I think the the really interesting thing to me is how much as addicts we crave this kind of apocalyptic circumstance. That when it happens, it's almost like this thing that we were hoping for the whole time anyway. 
You well, know that's I mean? my point about my friend with 9-11. Yeah. I, only junkies would see 9-11 as an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, I swear to God, this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Yeah, I know. I mean, I was, that's not what you're hearing from the average New Yorker still to this day. No, I know. I was there. I was there on 9-11, and, uh, and I was on methadone at 9-11, and I, I scored dope on 9-11, but I went to treatment within like a month of 9-11. Dope, did the dope dry up in New York after 9-11? Uh, it might have. I, I went to Florida within the month, and I don't even know what happened. You know what I mean? I took off. Um, right. So that's what's coming. So I, I, I don't know what the future of rehab or of aloe. I don't know. We're certainly considering all options. Like, but what we're most concerned about is staff getting sick and not being able to come in because our license says people have to be in these positions 24 hours a day. And what if we get to a point where, so a lot of the people who have compromised immune systems, which you have some people that work in treatment with compromised immune systems, they're already working from home doing telemedicine and stuff. Right. Um, and once the virus really hits and people start to get sick and they can't go to work for 14 days, they're quarantined because of the exposure, like we could get to a point where we don't have enough staff to stay um, right, you can't. How do you do treatment? Fully, fully functioning. Exactly. Right? Well, what do you do? So, What's the plan? What's the contingency? Well, the about? plan is just to keep the detoxing unit open, keep the focus on. You know, I think what are people looking for in a desperate time? They're looking for medical stabilization. Right. So our outpatients will probably, you know, be, you know, peeled back some. Right. But we're going to be open. The detoxing is going to be open. If, and Evan and I both agreed, for the last, even if we have to go there and do an overnight shift. Until you get it. You know what I mean? It's going to have to be like yeah. a rotation. But uh, yeah, I love that's why the exposure all at the same time, maybe this rollout is better. So some people will get it and then they'll quarantine and then the other people will get it. And hopefully we'll have the ability to like keep everyone employed and keep everyone who wants to seek treatment to be able to have a full, a full 90 day thing. Right. Right. Well, what about um, going to be a detox and residential for sure will be open no matter what. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy that you're okay. I know that we're all going to get this thing if I don't have it already. Are we going to talk about how the fact that two children are in my house driving me nuts? I want to, I want to go somewhere, but there's nowhere to go. Now, how are you dealing with that? <laughs> how are you dealing with it? I, I, use, the, I use the television <laughs> more than I should. My, my wife hates that I let... I, I make the big one do her oh, homework. Let them become occupied. Well, Elvis will do that, but Sydney will not. She wants you to tell stories and dance and go outside and just. Well, we did. You know, non-stop. we we did a we did a, a a trail hiking a trail. We did a bunch of walks, but I feel shitty now, and I don't really feel up for all that. Um, and I think playing with a baby uh, when you have flu-like symptoms is like one of the worst things you could ever do like when you get sick and my baby is fucking uh 22 months you know it's like it's torture playing with a baby when you're sick so so god bless sesame street and curious george and all that shit um although uh is she watching the wiggles the wiggles no we haven't gotten to the wiggles yet thank god but, uh, Let's talk about children's television to give everyone a lighthearted thing. What do you like? How, how do Dopey Dave and Bob Forrest probably know more about children's television than any two junkies in the world? I, I the love Wiggles. What do you like? I love it. I like I Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. I love Peppa, Peppa Pig. <laughs> Peppa's so good because the accents are so good. 
Yeah, well, it, it's just, I love Peppa Pig. We watch it all the time. Now, Sid's into the monkeys. We're watching the old monkeys television shows. Well, that's fortunate. With- Nora, my older one, loves The Simpsons, and she'll watch, she, like, begs me to put on The Simpsons, so... That's yeah, good. Elvis likes the really bad one. What's the one Elvis likes? It's got all the cussing. South Park. Ah, South Park. Well, would you let your 10-year-old watch South Park? Um, I don't know. At this point, I would. I let her watch Billy on the Street, which is like a lot of cursing, a lot of bleeped cursing, and I laugh my ass off watching her watch it because she looks at me like I'm not supposed well, to South be watching. South Park this. has like butt jokes and all kinds of crazy jokes. That's very I sophisticated. Over, I think they go over his head. I don't think he really knows what the law of the... I'm hoping he doesn't. He's 10? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, I I think it goes over my ten year old's head. I, I hope it does, yeah. or else it gets too it gets <laughs> yeah. too crazy. Are we the worst parents in the world? I think that's the final <laughs> question, Bob. Are we the worst parents in the world? <laughs> We're letting our nine year olds watch South Park. <sighs> You're a good that's man, a Bob. Um, that's a fun life. Thank you for coming in. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I always love to hear the insight of the of the great Bob Forrest. And dude, stay healthy. Love you. Get better. You're going to be fine. Thanks, Bob. Love you, too. Talk okay, to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Always good to hear from Bob during a crisis. Yes. Um, Bob thinks you have corona. Bob does think Is I have corona. Is that validating for you? Definitely. And Bob... Uh, has kids at home, little kids, and he is dealing with what we're dealing with. Right. And Bob, like, goes to Disneyland with his kids, like, fucking every week. Lucky him. Well, everything is closed now. So well, he's dealing with what he we're dealing my with. my life. And um, I think, you know, now it's time to just hear from different people. There's this dude in England, mm-hmm. and he calls himself the secret drug addict. He used, Actually, he used to work with this band, Oasis, this band, Oasis. Ooh, that band. Have you heard of it? Do you like Oasis? You do. I'm, I'm not asking <laughs> if I like Oasis. I'm asking if you do. I feel like I'm supposed to like Oasis. So you don't like Oasis? I like two songs. Which songs? Wonderwall yeah. and the Supernova. You like Champagne Supernova? Champagne Supernova. I don't think Supernova. you even like that song. What did you say? I think you like... Champagne Supernova. Champagne Supernova. I and, think... And what I do really like Wonderwall. Do you like Don't Look Back in Anger? Yes. I like that Maybe song. Maybe I like three songs. Yeah, me too. But I think they're incredibly annoying. Why? They're everything about them. I love them. I really oh, do. Okay. I recommend watching this movie... Oasis Supersonic. It's an amazing documentary. Mm-hmm. I totally recommend it. And here, you think that you don't think that the two of them are irritating, like their whole thing. I love them. I love why, them. Why are you so in love with them? Because the dude, the older brother, Noel, Liam, Lo, Noel, Liam and Noel, right? Right. Noel okay. was the older brother, okay. and Noel like was a roadie for some English fucking, you know, alt bands like in spiral carpets and all these dumb English bands and he wanted to be a rock star and he went on the road with them and when he came back, Liam was in a, a band with basically was in Oasis and Noel came back from touring with this other band and basically gave Liam and this guy, I think it's called Big Head or something was his name. Mm-hmm. And he gives them the songs and then all of a sudden they're fucking oasis. It was like the most perfect marriage of, of, right. of talent that coalesced into these perfect pop rock songs. Also, they're obviously totally influenced by the Beatles, um, and I love the Beatles. Do you really appreciate the words of Wonderwall? I do. 
You do. You find them to be very meaningful. I do. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. Do you think maybe that's about the coronavirus? No, I don't. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What about Champagne Supernova? See, the thing I always liked about Champagne Supernova is it's someday you will find me caught beneath the landslide of a Champagne Supernova in the sky, which always sounds like Champagne sipping over or spilling over. That's what I was also mm, on drugs when those heavy. songs came out. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I think you should go to bed. I think I think Linda's done for the night. I'm at the point where all I want to do is talk about Oasis and and what Wonderwall means. That's right. You love Wonderwall. It's a great song. I, but you love this band, so I want to know what that song means to you because you really like this band. I, I like, think it's fun if that song comes on the radio. I'm going to turn it up. But you're like really into it. And that's, no, I like you know. it because they represented. Listen. Ultimately, you like that they were rowdy, they're twins. They're not twins. Or they're brothers or whatever. I like that. They have the Beatles haircut. <laughs> I liked how they looked, and I liked that they had a moment where they were almost like a new band that was like the Beatles. They didn't pull it off. Very quick moment. They fell apart, and, and everything went to shit. They're also great drug addicts. And, and that's I, where, but that's what I think it really comes down to. What? I don't think that they had a drug problem. Because I don't think that they, if they had, didn't have a drug problem, I don't think you would have cared as much no, about I, them. No, honestly, I feel exactly the same way You're you prejudiced do. prejudiced towards musicians with drug problems. I like English bands that with have... drug problems. Yeah, but also they have a couple great songs. Songs. Three. And they had three great songs. Actually, I don't even think they had three great songs. Well, I think they, they named three. Honestly, I don't Wonder think Wonderwall, Sh- Champagne Supernova, and I don't think Champagne one. Supernova is that good. It's it's good. That song annoys me. I love Don't Look Back in Anger, though. I love that song. I like that How song. Does it go? I like that song more than Wonderwall. It goes, slip inside the eye of my mind. Yeah, that is good, actually. When you know you won't find a better chance okay. to play. Who's our next phone call? Um, <laughs> I, I really, you know, I think I sh- we should do an Oasis song. Do you want to do a song? Yeah, let's do You want to do, do Don't Look Back in Anger? I do. You do? Yeah. Do you really? I do. Right, I, I really, actually really like that song. I forgot how much I liked it. All right, hold on. All right, Dopey Nation. This is the coronavirus special. So, like, I'm going to do Don't Look Back in Anger. And this episode's going to go pretty long. We have a bunch of calls coming up. So fucking deal with it, all right? The coronavirus special, this is Don't Look Back in Anger. You ready, Lynn? Slip inside the eye of your mind. Don't you know you might find a better place to play?
Listen, if it wasn't the coronavirus, I never would have done that. That was just because of the coronavirus. Anyway, this coming up is this dude who calls himself the secret drug addict. He used to work with Oasis, and here he is coming from London. So this coronavirus, it's fucking everything up, but there is a positive, which is uh, members of the Dopey Nation are coming together from across the globe. I have on the phone right now somebody I've been talking to for years, I want to say, the secret drug addict straight out of London. How are you doing, man? I'm very well. You good? I'm all, I'm sick, man. I, I have the coronavirus. I'm going to find you've out. Got the, you've got the disease. I, I might have the disease. I'm going to find out tomorrow morning. I got tested yesterday. So I'm going to find out tomorrow morning, and I will let you know. How is everything in London? What's going on out there? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not too bad. It's um, There's still, you know, life's going on. There's lots of, you know, lots of people still wrestling over toilet roll and pasta and stuff, which is... Uh, you know, it's not great, is it? Do you know what I mean? The sort of the the worst of humanity fighting over toilet roll. Right, and you but, took the um, ki- you took the kids out of school. Yeah, we took them out last week. As soon as the Premier League, the soccer, shut down, I kind of you know because our, our you know our government is basically you know not too dissimilar to yours. So, you know, both our countries are kind of run by clowns. So we've been kind of getting lots of confusing messages and uh, you know opinions on what you should and shouldn't do. We was encouraged to uh, to keep going about our daily life and that we would need to uh, the best thing to do would be uh, herd immunity, where we basically all get it. Right, and then the, and then a couple of days later they were like, "Oh, actually, no, that that won't work. That will kill two hundred thousand people or something." So then they panicked with that and were like, "No, no, but just you know, just go about your daily business, but stay two meters away from each other." And um, and then one of the um, the football managers, one of the soccer managers, caught it, and the Premier League shut down within twenty four hours. And, you know, that's, there's a lot of money involved in that. Again, the same, I think the NBA and the, the NHL have, have done the same thing. And you, you kind of realise if these people are willing to shut down, that it's, it's obviously quite serious. So I, started, I took the kids out of school last Friday. So what? they've been driving me mad now for a week. Yeah, I mean, I think I find that it's harder to be uh, sick at home with children than, like, kicking dope or, like, staying clean or anything. I feel like little children, sobriety, and no school might be the worst combination of anything. Second, you broke up there completely. I'm saying, like, being home with your children might just be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it might... uh, it's, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's, uh, yeah, they drive you mad constantly. I mean, the questions, the constant questioning, I must be answering about, you know, a thousand questions a day. And uh, and are you at work or they they suspend work? What are they doing with your job? No, no. I mean, um, I do a lot of work from home anyway. But um, so I'm indoors. So it's just kind of messing up my kind of you know my afternoon porn hub sessions and all the other stuff that I kind of have in and around work that I enjoy. <laughs> but um, the, the 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 wife's working from home now as well. So we're all at home. I mean, there is an upside to it. Like I, I'm like spending a lot more time. Can you hear me with me? Yep. Sounds like terrible winds in London. It's crazy, man. Like the whole thing is crazy that the world shuts down. It seems like it, what, what's the attic scene like out there? Like you go to twelve-step meetings usually, right? You broke up completely. What's the scene like? The addict scene, like. Um, um, I mean, I'm just. You know what? I mean, I'm standing. You know, about 200 yards away from a bunch of guys selling crack at the moment uh, at the end of my street, and they're they're still at it. So business you know, is booming. Still, 
business is booming, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I, I tend not to kind of talk to them, so I'm not really, I'm not too familiar with who they are. But, you know, they're working. I'm not sure if their prices have gone up. I'm not sure if, you know, at some point soon, I would imagine, you know, if, if there's a, a, an issue with the sort of drug supply, that, you know, people are going to start cutting their drugs with all sorts of fucking mad shit. You know, that's uh, that, that's a concern, I suppose. Right, to stretch the supply, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, do you know what I mean? And putting all sorts of other just shit in it, do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a real possibility, I, I assume. And, you know, meetings, meetings are still going on. They're slowing down. They're, I can't see there being any you know, actual face-to-face meetings probably from the beginning of next week. You know, they've been sort of over the last week, week or two, mainly the last week, they've kind of been slowing down and they're trying to move online now and do Zoom and stuff, which is um, which is great if you've, you know, if you've got access to a computer, if you've got access to the internet. And if you haven't, then, you know, you're going to struggle a bit. I mean, luckily, I'm coming up to 13 years now. Amazing. And, and, well, thank you. I know you've got some time as well. So people like us, you know, we've got support networks, we've got phone, lots of phone numbers, we've got, you know, years of, of, of relationships in the bank with people. So our support networks, you know, I would assume are going to be quite good. But if you, you I mean, just imagine you were like two weeks clean and you'd been going meetings for like, I don't know, six, six weeks. And suddenly it's like, no, there's no meetings now. And you haven't got, you know, you've got this little burner phone, you've got no, no, no way of accessing online. It's uh, it's going to be tough, man. Yeah. It's going to be tough for people, really tough. I mean, I, you know, as, as much as, you know, the steps and having this fucking spiritual experience and all that kind of shit was, was, was you know, was, 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 it was very important in, 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 in my recovery. It was the kind of human connection. It was hanging out with people. It was right. not, feeling, not feeling alone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be bouncing off walls. I was doing sort of, you know, two, three meetings a day, and in between that, I would just, you know, I'd be at home and I'd, I'd, I'd be bouncing off the walls, just desperate to get out. I couldn't sit still, and so now when you're kind of like, oh, you're gonna have to stay in your house on your own for weeks on end, possibly months, it's uh, that's a fucking tough ask. It's true, although it does tickle the fancy of all these addicts because it's like all of us have these sort of apocalyptic fantasies, and now it's all of our apocalyptic fantasies are coming true. You know? Yeah, yeah, there is that. I mean, also as well, it's kind of. I mean, when they were first talking about, I was like, oh, self isolation. It's a fucking doddle. I've been doing that for years, right? And it's like, yeah, but now you weren't. You know, you weren't in your forties then, and you, you know, you weren't not doing drugs, and you didn't have fucking kids. Do you know what I mean? You kind of throw that all into the mix. It's like it's not. It's not so easy sober. It's not so easy without drugs. Right. I get bored very quickly now. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank God for television and whatever. But um, yeah. Since this is dopey and you are a drug addict, do you want to tell a quick dopey story to, to entertain the people around the world who are struggling? Um, go on then. Yeah. Um, I suppose yeah, you can't come on dopey and not have a dopey story, can you? Um, I suppose as most of my stories involve wanking or sex with drugs I kind of I'll, uh, I'll tell one of those okay so we was um, yeah we was on tour I was on tour when I was working with Oasis we was on tour in 2005 I think and my drug addiction was getting quite I mean I got clean in 2007 so this was kind of towards the end of it and it was kind of getting really bad and you know it was less fun and more fucking problems and we were we were in Europe we were halfway through the tour and I think we was in we was in Madrid and um you know, so we've started a load of drugs have turned up. We've started doing, you know, we've started doing the drugs, 
done the done the show, hanging out backstage, more drugs, and then what were you doing? Just mostly coke and stuff. Coke, just and loads, loads of coke, loads of Valium. I was I was going for a big phase of Valium. I used to love taking Valium and going out on it. And it was like if you do it with coke, it gives you this kind of weird buzz it's like it's a bit like if you do um uh, uh you know a horse tranquilizer if you do ketamine and coke it kind of spins you out in this weird it puts you in this weird space but um and i was a huge dope smoker an absolutely huge dope smoker i couldn't i couldn't you know i couldn't leave the house without dope you know without weed so um Yes, yeah, so I mean, I, I think I take, I take another. You know, I, I think I'd got about an ounce of hash, and you know, I don't know, a quarter of skunk or something uh, in my pocket as well. And um, so, yeah, so we're at it, and then everything kind of starts winding down because we've got to travel. I think we're going to maybe Paris or somewhere the next day. And um, I'm not sure. We met, we met this guy. This guy who was he was not Spanish. I think he was he was from the north of England, but he was out there working on the stock on the Spanish stock exchange or something. Mm-hmm. And we've ended up back at his place. And um, I was with a friend of mine who is a he was what well, he was. He's retired now. He was a WBU. Uh, boxer, he was a WBU belt holder, right? so he held this belt, British Boxing Union or something, I don't know. And it's a champion boxer. And so this guy's found out, so we're, doing, we're just sitting there, just shoveling loads of coke up on those talking bollocks. And uh, this guy kind of finds out that, that my pal's a boxer. He's going, Oh, right, let me, how, you know, can you punch hard? I bet I can punch harder than you. So they've ended up in this weird macho kind of competition where they're taking it in turns to punch each other in the stomach. <laughs> right? It's, yeah, it's like fucking bizarre. But my pal, um, he, 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 he sort of don't mess around. So he's not pulling his punches. And so he's punching this guy. The guy's punching him, and they're doing so much coke. The guy couldn't, you know, he couldn't really feel it. And then my mate's punched the guy, and he's broke three of his ribs. Oy. Right, and then he's had. I think. I think he pierced something. I don't know. I'm not quite sure exactly. We had to call a fucking ambulance for the guy. Right, so an ambulance comes and takes him away from his own house and leaves us in the house with all, you know, with, with all the coke and that. So you know, we carry we carry on, and I, I'm like, you know, mate, we're we're fucking. We got to travel in about three hours. I need to get back to the, to the hotel. So. I put my headphones in. I'm walking back to the hotel, and I saw this this, this girl walking towards me. And I just, you know, I was kind of going through a phase at the time. I was like, right, you know what? I'm going to stop sleeping with prostitutes. This is getting out of hand now. I, I need to, I just, I'm doing it too much. It's, it's not good. Do you know what I mean? It's not a good look for a man. I mean, I'm pushing 30 at this point. It's not a good look. And um, uh, this girl's, as I walked past her, she's kind of said something to me. I couldn't hear her. And I, I remember, I, I had this vague record of voice kind of going, don't, don't stop, just keep walking, just keep walking. And... You know, it's a bit like when you, you know, when you're, you're going to score, you don't want to score, and you're kind of going, no, you don't, don't, just don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. leave, don't. and you go, oh, and you fucking end up there. You go, how do, how do I end up here, right? And um, so I'm going, don't, just don't stop, don't talk to her, don't, don't. And the next thing I know, I've sort of spun around, took my headphones out, and said, you know, you're right. And she was a prostitute, and I'm not quite sure what happened, but I ended up back at this crack house with her. And um, and we started to get on it, and I think you know again I'm thinking I'm not, I'm not sleeping with prostitutes, so I ended up paying her the same amount of money for full sex, so you know I'd, you know whatever I think it was like seventy euros or something, just to to get her to watch me have a wank while yeah. I do drugs, Correct. and 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 it was kind of like you know this is. You know, I'm not sure, quite sure, you know, what, 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 what happened, really, how I ended up in a crack house wanking. 
do you know what I mean? Masturbating to some young girl who was she was clearly horrified at this kind of slightly podgy thirty-year-old man sweating. Do you know what I mean? Trying to maintain an erection. Well, but at least you stuck to your guns and you didn't fuck the prostitute. So that's I didn't. The a, ma- a man's got to have morals. Dude, I, I'm so happy, if, if nothing else in this pandemic, to hear your beautiful accent on the phone with us. <laughs> I appreciate the call, and I think that this, that's what we should look at this thing as. It's a way for addicts to get in touch. Everyone stay at home and stay safe, right? And wash your hands. And wash your fucking hands. And if you're with a prostitute, don't fuck her, but pay her so you can uh, wank off in front of her. I have an exactly. actual, I have a similar story, but I can't tell it yet. I have a similar story, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell it because I'll get in trouble if I tell it. Um, Mate, send it to me on Twitter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to hear from you, man. Secret drug nice addict. Nice one. You look after yourself. You too, man. Thank you. Have a good one, man. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Right on. So there's the secret drug addict. I've been communicating with him on Twitter for a long time. What did you think about his uh, masturbating with prostitute in crack house story, Len? Dave, I think you should tell your story. My story's very embarrassing. Yes, it is, and it should be, but I think it's funny, and you should tell it. All right. Well, I had... um, It's a very (laughs) embarrassing story. It's so embarrassing for you. But I should tell it anyway? Yes, you should tell it. Well, I hadn't had sex in a long, long time. It was before you and I had reunited. How long had it been? It had been years. Like how many? Like five years <laughs> I'm or gonna something? Be, I'm like Sally, Jesse, Raphael. I'm going to say it had been like five years wow. that, I having ha- sex? that I hadn't had sex. I was totally addicted. Because you were using... So to, in your defense, though, you were using drugs. Yes. So when you're using heavy drugs, you're not... I don't even have those so same sexual urges, right? Well, I was on a huge dose of methadone. I was on a huge dose of benzodiazepines. So now you were sober, so you were probably incredibly horny. Yes, and yes. I came home, and uh, my I was actually living at my parents' house, and my parents were uh, upstate, and I had decided that I was going to get a prostitute because I wanted to have sex, and I had been so out of this practice. This was like 20... This was like yeah. 2008. So this was what, like... 12 years ago. 12 years ago where you go online, right? As I asked, he told he has told me this story, and I was like, well, where do you go? Like Craigslist, the internet? I think I went on like Craigslist. Or, or I went I went on, like, I what? just think I Googled escorts. Yeah. And uh, this big spreadsheet of prostitutes came up. And you I, picked your sassy lady. I picked this uh, woman. She looked exactly like you. Mm. And... Um, and she came. Was her name Linda. Her name was Linda, and she came to the apartment. <laughs> Maybe it was me. It wasn't you. And she was like Russian, and she was much smaller, smaller than you. She was like short. Anyway. Oh. And, Is that what you like? Uh, take it easy, Lynn, all right? This might, maybe we should stop talking about this. I might get... I, I know, I know. Okay. You're the one yeah. who wants me to tell the story. Be quiet. So she came over, and she's like, it's going to cost you 350 bucks to have me come over. And I said, all right. So I gave her 350 bucks. I don't think I want to tell the story. Oh, stop. You're half, you can't stop now. So I gave her 350 bucks, and she tells me... That if I want to have sex with her, I need to give her another $300. And uh, I wasn't about to pay this woman $650 to have sex with her. So I told her to lay next to me and rub and like give me a massage and I'll masturbate. And she laid next to me and I think she like touched my shoulder. Like, like, and you were like, oh my God. And I masturbated and I came and she left. And that was my story. And that was the only time I've ever paid for sex and I didn't even get sex. What do you think of that story? I think it's, it's pretty incredible that that was enough to get you off. 
but I guess it's been it was a it, while for you. It had been a long time. It was very thrilling. Um, very sad story. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for shaming me to tell this story. But I've always wanted to tell the story on Dopey. I think it's a good story. You do? How did like so what happened after was it awkward? When you know? no, I was just like I was annoyed because it was I was good. She was a professional. Like you she didn't was, have to no. feel. We didn't have to feel awkward because she's like, who cares? Give me my money. I gotta go. No, it was it's, it was annoying because I was prepared to have sex with the prostitute, and I was too cheap to have sex with the prostitute. But do you think you could have actually done that? I don't know, and we'll never know. And thank God you couldn't, because that would have been so gross. Well, it never happened. I'm so glad. Good. We can may you, not have. Can you please sit on the mic? Sorry. We may not have what. I'm just glad that this is the outcome. Personally, I'm glad that you didn't have sex with a Russian prostitute. <laughs> I'm glad she just touched her shoulder. That yeah. makes me feel much better. I think it would have cost more money if she had touched me That's why else. when I rub your shoulder, sometimes you get really excited. Yes. It explains a lot. Anyway, <laughs> I think before we go, I would like to hear, we've heard from a lot of members in the Dopey Nation. Are you excited to hear from them before we go? Yes, absolutely. All right, here we go. What's up, Dopey Nation? This is Leah from North Carolina with a quarantine update. Um, largely, my life looks pretty much the same as it did prior to the quarantine. Apparently, I live an incredibly socially distanced life. Uh, you may call me a hermit. I work from home. I go out to the farm. That's it. But my heart goes out to those of you that are feeling squirrely or struggling to get to meetings or feel socially isolated. Make use of the technology that we have. Love you guys. Stay strong. And toodles. Hi, Dopey Nation. This is Dave Marshallani from Sydney, Australia, letting you know that I'm okay. I have enough toilet paper and hand sanitizer and other supplies, but not too much because I'm not a hoarder because I care about other people. I've been washing my hands, voluntarily self-quarantining, and if I have to leave my home, I practice social distancing. I know some of you are not doing so well emotionally and financially, so send you my thoughts and prayers and positive vibes. Stay strong and toodles for Chris. Hey guys, what's up? It's Amy Dresner from My Fair Junkie. Just giving a check-in to my peeps at at the Dopey Nation. Uh, This is a tough time. Let's stick together. Make those phone calls, send those messages, do those online meetings. Uh, isolation's gnarly. Does your head in. Financial fear is fucking real. Don't fucking spit in anyone's mouth, you know? And be nice to your roommate. Uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation. I love you. Bye. Hi, Dave. Dopey Nation, it's Justin. Hope everyone's staying safe and warm. Um, to all the hoarders, go fuck yourselves. Quick, simple, effective. Stay strong and toodles for Chris. Hey, Dave and Dopey Nation. It's Colleen. Uh, I wanted to say hi from quarantine land of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I returned from Mexico February 5th. We started getting sick about 10 days later, my kids and I. Um, magicalness. I was in a uh, the Dopey Nation group, got together and did a Zoom meeting online. And literally right afterwards, I got a message from a doctor, functional doctor that I've been trying to get a hold of for a while. And she got me a test within an hour and a half. I had to drive to her house to do it and actually had to like actually drive to her office and follow a car to her house. It was legit like a drug deal. Hilarious. 
but I'm tested now and we have a plan. She got me some new medication and, um, breathing treatments and lots of Netflix. We need all the ideas for shows and, uh, yeah, my kids are out of school and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just winging it. I hope everyone's awesome. Love everybody in Dopey Nation. Um, toodles for Chris. Bye. Hang in there. What's up, Dave and Dopey Nation? This is Matt Wiedemeyer Carroll. Hope everybody's safe out there. CoronaCon 2020 is in full swing here in Iowa. Madam Governor has ordered all restaurants closed, except for takeout only. No groups of more than three people around, and yeah, I'm doing good. I stocked up on cigs, got a carton, might buy another carton. Uh, we live out in the country, so I think we'll be all right. Just bought two dirt bikes the other week, so if they shut everything down for two weeks, I'll have lots of two-stroke fun. Brop, 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 brop on the farm. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Hey, Dopey, it's Teens from Philly. Um, we're recording live from my recovery house in Kensington with all my girls. And um, so what do you guys think about being in quarantine in Kensington in a recovery house? <laughs> Boring. Boring. Boring shit. Boring Fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> I need to stock up on snacks now. I think there's two things that's important that you need to know. A, that we're in Kensington. And B, you can literally commit any crime and have no consequences. Whatsoever. So, so that's how it is to be in Kensington and in quarantine. So stay strong. Thanks. Toodles. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dopey Nation. It's Julie from Seattle. I'm quarantined, can't go to work, can't go out. My son is learning to play the drums, so I have heard an awful lot of Motley Crue up in here. I've eaten all of my snacks, and I am pretty sure that by the time this is all said and done, I am going to gain the COVID-19. Hope everybody's staying strong and fucking toodles for Chris. Hey, what's up, Dopey Nation? This is Jed from Church and Other Drugs checking in from Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, we, I think we started this whole thing with Mardi Gras, so my bad, my bad. Um, we're hunkering down. I was, you know, you know, I was worried before it was cool, so me and my wife bought supplies like four weeks ago, so we're good to go. But everyone stay safe out there. Uh, this is not the time to go try to get some dope. Just use it as a stay-at-home and detox. You know what I'm saying? Turn on some Barry Manilow, eat some tomato soup, and you'll get through this. Toodles. Hey, Dopey Nation. Hey, Dave. It's Paulina coming at you quarantined in Costa Mesa, California. Um, so far, I think I'm healthy. I hope so. We'll see. I heard we're all supposed to get it. God knows what's going to happen, but... I love you all. Everyone stay put, stay connected, and most importantly, stay strong, Dopey Nation. And fucking toodles for Chris. So that was our coronavirus special. And I have to say, uh, it was a joy to have you with me. Did you have fun? I did have fun. I like, I especially like the Oasis jam. That was your favorite part? That was my favorite part. Or was Amber your favorite part? I'm, I love that Amber called in, but I, I really like that you busted out the guitar. I love it when I hear these people around the world saying, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking Every, for and, Chris. Yes, and everyone sounds good. You know what? Before- everyone sounds hopeful and, you know, no one sounds, not, not to say that we shouldn't be worried or concerned or, you know, but everyone seems like they have a, an optimistic outlook on things, and I think that's, 
That was helpful for me to hear. Um, yeah, I love this, uh, our community. I love that uh, the Dopey Nation, the international Dopey Nation is strong. Anybody um, that wishes they were uh, in the episode, send in a voicemail. Can I say something? Please. <clears throat> I think because this is um, an addiction-centered podcast, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the basis. Um, when something like the coronavirus happens... Um, I think Dave is uns—I don't say you're unsure, but you don't want—you don't want to be—you don't want to just focus on that. But I think it's so—it's all that we're talking about. It's the only thing on the news. It's like so. Part of it is like we don't want to talk about it on the podcast because you want to break, but at the same time you feel like we need to. Like it's hard to find the balance of should how much should it be focused on, how much should it go to recovery, and. Um, we're in such a fucking crisis right now um, that I think this was an interesting episode. Well, I think it was. A, I think you you did a nice balance. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Very long winded. Sorry. What I like about all of it is that, I mean, I can find parallels between addiction and recovery and the coronavirus very easily. See, I can't. How do you do that? Because when you're kicking dope, uh, time How stops. If- you don't work. You don't go anywhere. Okay, but Life see, you're, you're thinking you're you're speaking like that's such a obvious thing. Well, I bet you to a lot of the audience it so is. That's a good. And yeah, I, that's and an I, interesting point. And I think the apocalyptic nature. I think when you don't have to go to work, like when whenever I've kicked dope, I, I usually didn't have a job, so I didn't have to go anywhere, and it was this long term. You didn't know what tomorrow had in store. You didn't want to leave the house. So part of this whole thing. Reminds me of that, and uh, and also like because I actually have the coronavirus, it feels mm. like heroin. There control. we go. Um, but but that's but so let's just take a moment and talk about that. There's a part of what's going on for you in your life that almost reminds you of when life sort of stops and you're just sort of trapped in your house and you don't really have a job, you don't really go anywhere. Um, is that what you're saying? Like you're actually feeling like you, it's from, it feels familiar to you now. It that totally, you're not. it totally. <laughs> I'm feels, trying to understand. It totally feels familiar. This experience right. is so much like being on drugs or just getting off drugs, where no, there are no expectations and you're just kind of treading water until the next thing. And mm-hmm. that's what this reminds that's me of. And if you guys agree with that, send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. I want to play you one thing before we stop. I was going to start the episode with it, but I'll end it. And it has nothing to do with any of this stuff. It's a total non sequitur. Uh, recently, I, I get emails from people all the time, and I got an email from somebody who said they were listening to this old dopey episode uh, when Chris was alive. It was actually the only time Chris was ever in this house, and uh, you Before were in the, we were yeah you were right. in the apartment, and me and Chris were recording on the floor, and we were finishing up the episode and talking about doing dopey ads, mm. and. Um, I f- it's like one of my favorite all-time dopey memories, and I'm going to play it now before we're done. You want to hear? Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, 
I don't even know how to tell that story. Uh, should we tell it for the next time? or No, just tell it. So we, Dave and I met at this place called Mountainside. Don't say the name unless they pay us. I just said it. We met at this place called Mountainside, and uh, they might do ads with us. And Dave had a call with the marketing fucking people, and they wanted, uh, you know, examples of ads, and all their examples suck. And they were very business-oriented. But if we had more followers... Well, they said. Well, they said. Well, how's your social media? Why didn't we tell you? You you were there. You handled it. I didn't do anything. It was just so unappealing. It was so bad. Such a terrible call. You handled it bad. They're professional over there. They're suits. I don't know why I'm talking about this at all. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely not going to do it if they listen. (laughs) This is why we can't get advertisers. I think Mountainside is the best treatment center in the world. (laughs) Give me 50 bucks, (laughs) please. Send me some fucking cookies. We'll fucking talk about your fucking plate. <laughs> this fucking, oh my God. Well, I don't really know how to integrate a partnership between our You know what's company. so funny? They asked, <laughs> they, asked, they, asked, they asked for examples of ads, right? And so I like listened to our last episode where we talked about the I Am Sober app or a couple episodes before. And literally I'm listening to the ad and I'm like, it's, I was like, it can calculate how much money you saved on drugs. Dave's like, I don't believe it. That's what we do with every with every ad. You like take this nice attempt at the ad, and then I get upset that you're people pleasing for the advertisers when really all you're doing is actually advertising. Ugh. I could listen to that all day. The listener was like, "I'm listening to that over and over again just to make her feel better, or the dude feel better, or whatever." Um, so uh, I hope you guys are okay in this coronavirus. Yeah. Fucking wash your hands, avoid people, stay home, stay healthy, stay safe. I mean, if you're getting drugs, you better have a lot of fucking money or you're going to run out, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, Miss Chris, obviously, Miss Todd, Miss all of our friends who didn't get to stick around. And uh, stay strong, fucking Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Good night, everyone. If you know the song, you should sing the song. All right.
You can buy merchandise in the back.